Hi everyone, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles and I want to welcome you to another episode of Stories of the Supernatural. If you're watching it on the internet or listening to a podcast version of the show, make sure to subscribe so that you get notified when a new show is released. And if you'd like to find links to videos or mp3 files, just go to MiamiGhostChronicles.com and you can also submit any eerie experiences you've had at the Submit Your Story tab. Also, hook up with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram where you can find information not only about new shows, but also about monthly free merchandise giveaways. So, get comfortable, enjoy this new episode, and just imagine it's a dark and stormy night where not a creature is stirring, not even a mouse. And if a creature is stirring, you hope it's a mouse. Hi everybody, this is Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles, Stories of the Supernatural. How is everybody doing today? Good, I hope well. Today I have a most interesting guest, and that's just an understatement. Uh, let me give you a brief introduction, and then we'll bring him on like I always do. But who I have with us tonight is Mr. John Egan. Now, John was born in New York to a Catholic family. Now, later on they moved to New Jersey. Uh, he's married family man teacher while bartending on the side and while working in that bar he interviewed hundreds of ladies uh, while he was working on the basis for his 1993 how to book titled how to pick up beautiful women in nightclubs and any other place secrets every man should know we're going to ask him about that paranormal or not and he appeared on talk shows and everything but uh and of course you know part of uh I imagine that that how-to book was, of course, looking for love in all the wrong uh, places. Uh, and in the interim, which I'm sure he's going to explain to us, he, of course, came across a lot of people that, obviously, uh, they they had lost their way, and he prayed for them. And he believes that this is why he caught the attention of an entity from hell, who specializes in perverting humans. Uh, he. Uh, thinks that, you know, like I think a lot of other people that right now we're changing into something dangerous and he's written a new book called Between Love and Hate, The Devil is Real. And of course, he's part of the book is he's going to describe the details of experiences that he had in his own home, poltergeist experiences that were witnessed not only by himself, but his wife and his son and how it culminated in the actual appearance of a demon surrounded by blue flames this i i absolutely i cannot wait to hear this story but let's start at the beginning and let me bring john on how are you doing today john hi marlene how are you today absolutely it's an honor to be here it's an honor no to be here. on the contrary it is totally my pleasure and i want to ask you even though you know in your bio it, it you know it kind of talks about how you know back in 93 maybe you weren't thinking of this but prior to that did you ever have any paranormal experiences in childhood or anything or what happened how did that come about well yeah, actually me no I, I i never really had one the only time i ever heard of an actual experience that mm -hmm. i could believe was when uh like we have this blood disease that runs in my family and my father had it and he died early from a heart attack okay <clears throat> and my brother was unlucky to get that so he was having a heart attack, and he called 911. He went to the hospital. Uh, little be known to me until I found out that night when I came to, to visit him. <clears throat> On the hospital bed, he had a full-blown heart attack, and he died there. 
And he uh, left his body. That's what he told me afterwards. And he said, Johnny, you know, I left my body. Uh, I saw the doctors and the nurses frantically trying to get me back to life again with the alarms going off and the defibrillators. And he said, I was watching all of this. And in the meantime, uh, in, in you know, one area of the hospital room, he said there was a very dark area there where he was, and demons came for him. <clears throat> and I started grabbing him and pulling him into that dark corner of the room. And uh, finally, the doctors got him back to life, and he was able to enter his body. And he, he kept asking me, Johnny, why did demons come for me? And I said, <laughs> I don't really have an explanation for that. But that was really the only other time other than the one I had that's Something like this actually happened that I believed in, and now it's uh, it's impacted me a lot, you know. But every time I hear of an encounter that a person has with a ghost or an angel or a demon, you know, I wonder about that person a little bit. You know, I'm a bit skeptical myself. I wonder if they're a legitimate person. Are they a little crazy? Are they doing this for attention? That's why I want to give you a brief history about my life and who I am. You know, by this aberration I had, a small veil was lifted for a moment in time where I was able to peer into a dimension unseen by most people. I could actually see through a threshold into a paranormal realm. And we're all going to be faced with this dimension someday, that fifth dimension, that spiritual dimension. No matter what you do, no matter how you live, no matter where you live, in the end, we're all going to be standing on the precipice of that event horizon of that fifth spiritual dimension. And I'm not just talking to you. Marlene or any a couple of your listeners, everybody out there is going to be uh, thrust into this abyss. Yeah, at some point, and, but, I think, yeah. Yeah, and oh, we're all going to die, and, yeah. and there's going to be forces there. But I used to think for some, but now I believe for many, evil forces, they're going to have to contend with. So tonight, we're going to get an understanding of those evil forces and how they will try to manipulate you in that paranormal realm of that fifth dimension. And a lot of people say to me, what is the fifth dimension? What's the fourth dimension? Well... We live in the fourth dimension. We're born in the fourth dimension. There's length, width, height, time. That's our fourth dimension. That's our universe. That's our everyday world. Our physical bodies are born here. <clears throat> we're going to die here, and we're going to stay here after we die. The physical bodies. There's no time as we know it in that fifth dimension. I mean, God started the clock when he started this uh, universe. You know, I mean, the, 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 earth, uh, the moon goes around the earth uh, 30 days. It takes The earth rotates on its axis every 24 hours. The earth goes around the sun in 364 days a year. There's none of that in the next dimension. There's no need for time in that next dimension. Only us spirits will pass through that dimension. And we're going to discuss that uh, and, and how this creature entered this house and possesses. And I think your listeners will be enlightened a lot on a deep level more than they could possibly imagine right now. And it's quite frightening, so be prepared. Okay. This aberration I had is the antithesis of any aberration I've ever heard or read about. So we're going to go from the ordinary world into the extraordinary world. I mean, just think about it, Marlene. How many times in the course of history does an entity break through a dimension to deliver a message? I mean, I could probably count it on my right hand alone. When people read the Bible, there's occurrences where angels have brought messages to people. There's not that much about devils delivering, delivering messages to people. And there's plenty of stories about ghosts. Ghosts scaring people, ghosts haunting houses. Yeah, we've all heard so many stories about ghosts. But tonight, I ask your listeners to be open-minded, be ready. You may not sleep that well tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you may even have to get three. Well, you know what? It is what it is because... Um... Sometimes, and that's why I say, you know, people when they go see these horror movies and everything and they get all really scared, but at the end of the day, you're thinking, ah, okay, the movie's over, I'm going to go home and it's all make-believe. And sometimes <laughs> it's not as make-believe as people would like to think. 
Oh, well, this is definitely not make-believe. I mean, it's terrifying. It's jarring. I, this is the only book ever written that will take you as close as humanly possible right into the devil's realm. It's a little frightening. That I can guarantee. And, and, and Molly, I'm not, a, I'm not a crazy person. I'm not looking for attention. I was given a few talents in my life that got me a lot of attention. I think I'm a best-selling author. I hope we have time to talk about that. Yes, get absolutely. To it. Yeah, I'm an artist. An artist whose work has been seen throughout the world. I hopefully we'll have time to talk about that. I only bring up uh, that fact that I'm an artist because I have the ability to draw and paint and sculpt exactly what I see right down to every detail. Okay. Uh, so, so to have a visual of this, this malevolent aberration, what it looked like, and it appeared to me in my house, you can go to john Egan, E-A-G-A-N.com. Okay. john com, And see the cover of the book. That's exactly what I was confronted with. And it helps to have a visual. <clears throat> We're going to talk about that in just a few minutes, you know. So I just want to give you a fast history about uh, who I am, where I come from. I was born in Brooklyn, like you said. I went to an all-male parochial school, a school where Franciscan brothers were in charge. Every single thing was regimented. Before school, we played in a fenced-in schoolyard where the Franciscan brother would blow the whistle. Everybody had to stop cold. If you were playing basketball, the ball would just keep bouncing. That's the only thing you could hear. And if you moved, they try to grab the basketball, and the Franciscan brother saw you, he's going to beat you. And if your mom <laughs> finds out when you get home, <laughs> your mom is going to beat you. So you couldn't win. You just got online, you marched into school like good soldiers. You know, I don't know how my parents did it back then, Marlene. I mean, there were six of us kids. We all went to parochial school. Uh, <clears throat> they didn't have any money. My dad was a truck driver. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Yeah, but so, you know what? I, I'll be honest with you. Back then, a lot of the parochial schools, they were more affordable because I think back then also they were more interested in, in religious <clears throat> instruction for you know their parish yeah. but nowadays no it's it is but still it's it was it 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 was you know you could i'm sure they had the choice of sending you to public school right i i'm sure they did but that that wasn't the agenda for them back then right, you know exactly. and then uh yeah and the things were different i mean what are you going to do i used to cut out pieces of cardboard to put them in where the holes in my shoes were you know that's how that's how things were back then and it just you just accepted it Right. Anyone that did me like one of my sisters, she hated being poor. She used to run away all the time as a little girl, and I joke, I joke at her kids, I joke at her kids today about it, and I tell them, you know, your mom used to run away so much back in the day that at night, we didn't go up there to read her a bedtime story. We used to read her the bus schedule, so she know where to go, so she know where she was going. But then your parents stayed together. You knew that the whole community would go to church on Sunday. That's where you learn how to act act like a moral human being. That's where you got your foundation. It basically stuck mm -hmm. with you your whole life, you know? Yes. The churches were full back then. I mean, you had to get there early just to get a seat. I mean, they even made baby rooms in the back of the church. That's uh, uh, where a mother could go if the baby was crying, and it's like a soundproof room and had a glass window on the front, and that he wouldn't disturb anybody, you know? But now, according to studies today, 70% of the people from my religion have dropped out of all of that today, going to church. I went to Catholic school for 12 years, and... I tell everybody when I was going, you know, that we, we used to have beanies as girls and you would sweat bullets if you forgot your beanie because you had to go into church with your head covered. Yeah, yeah that's right. right. Absolutely. Yeah. I went to, <laughs> one side was like. all boys. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's amazing. One side was all boys and the other side was all girls. That's where my sisters went, you know. But today, everybody, they lost their fervor. Uh, you know, the lines between good and evil are blurred today. Uh, but you have to be vigilant about counterfeit teachings. I mean, these creatures, these demons are constantly building a trapdoor of deceit designed for us to fall. They, want, they don't want us in churches and synagogues, and, and we're not going there anymore today. 
I mean, just to give an example how cunning people can be, because we're going to discuss how intelligent and cunning this creature was that came here. I, ha I had two nephews. They were brought up in their religion. They had college degrees. They went to work in the city of New York. They mm -hmm. met clever people who persuaded them that God doesn't exist. Uh, they're so cunning to convince two educated men right. uh, to lose their faith in God, you know? Uh, and it's such a shame. Uh, and I have other family members, uh, nephews and nieces, that, who are now heroin addicts. I mean, oh cunning people have come into their life and persuaded them that heroin was a good thing to do. And now their life is like destroyed. They're in and out of rehab. Yes. Uh, you know, they're addicts, and, and they're basically their young life is their young life has been destroyed. And every day is a fight for them. Mm. So I mean, and I also have extended. Family members who lost their compassion for people that like I'm, my wife goes around to uh, some of the hospitals uh, around here and, and some of the homes uh, where these these poor people are like with, with terrible MS and she brings them clothes and some feeds them some food and sometimes she gets them to come over here so you know had to come here in a wheelchair so they had to get the transportation that they have there and uh, we try to make a day for them you know. And um, one of my extended relatives was listening and said, ah, those people are better off dead. And I was thinking, what, well, who came? What clever person has come and taken her compassion for, for people away? But there's people who can do that. So I want you just to remember that. So when we start to talk about this malevolent aberration that came into this house, it was so much more intelligent, what it could do to us in that next dimension. That's what we're going to talk about tonight and, and what it did while it was here. But anyway... It was a different world back then. All us kids played outside, rain or shine, winter or summer, played stickball in the middle of, you know. Times have changed so much. I did a study 20 years ago, and they asked people, how many uh, intimate friends do you have that you can go to with your problems and you can feel secure with? And the answer was three. And they did that same study today, just 20 years later. There's Facebook, Snapchat, LinkedIn, so many different apps. People have hundreds of friends, uh, we would think. And when they did that study today about how many people they how many intimate friends they have. It's down to one and a half now. And I, I mean, the trust factor is gone. It's gone. So uh, technology has given this global communication nowadays and thousands of yeah. friends, but I mean, it's half of what it was 20 years ago. But just think how things have changed exponentially in a, in a short period of time. In the past, you know, we used to fear snakes and spiders and hives, but nowadays with our new technology and our global connection, the biggest fears of the millenniums today Low Wi-Fi, a buffering circle you see on your phone, <laughs> and, and low yeah, battery life. Like, oh my God, I don't have a signal. <laughs> <laughs> That's their biggest problem. I mean, nobody's worrying about cutting out cardboard to put, you know, to fill the holes in their shoes anymore. No. That's not happening today. No. But I mean, I love technology, uh, Molly. Right. I, you know, no, I don't know. No, absolutely, technology is wonderful, but I, like all things in extreme, it's. I think it's. It's done a big disservice to us humans uh, i know well. the, the the evil one is in there i mean it, it amplifies certain wicked things like pornography is a multi-billion dollar industry oh, today yeah. sex trafficking a multi-billion dollar industry yes. today i mean suicide among boys have doubled and tripled among girls today yes. one million people will commit suicide this year i mean this technology yeah, i think it's like i believe that loneliness was one of the reasons cited for that in that uptick in suicides yeah, loneliness. So where's these hundreds of friends everybody has and all these apps? <laughs> and you're yeah, so lonely. Exactly. What, uh, I mean, it's working against this like a neutron bomb. You know, when a neutron bomb explodes, it doesn't make a big explosion. The neutrons penetrate the buildings, armor, underground bunkers, and kills everything from the inside. Oh, the buildings are all left standing. No damage whatsoever. 
And as I believe now, that's how these demons like it, destruction of any form to any human. And that's part of the trapdoor deceit that uh, we're going to talk about later, you know. So real quick, my dad moves us all to New Jersey. We're still like kids. I go to the college in New Jersey. That's where I get my degrees. Uh, I start my career as a special ed teacher. Okay. That's where I felt, uh, this is sort of like the prerequisite of why this thing came in. These two things that I did, as a special ed teacher and a bartender. As a special ed teacher, I worked with kids that didn't have any qualities, attributes, characteristics that normal kids have. So I felt like just being normal, I was blessed. So I wanted to pay back for just being normal. And I, used to, I started a really prayer life then. I prayed every single day for at least an hour. You know, and then as a special ed teacher, you got plenty of time on your hands because, I mean, they have a two-hour lunch and the, and the, uh, the, uh, the, the teacher's aide, you know, takes care of that. So I decided I knew how to bartend, so I started working at night as a bartender. Okay. So, yeah. So this is where um, I think a lot of the prerequisites happen, you know. Uh, as a bartender, uh, I worked in nightclubs and... Uh, uh, people who come out at night, they want, they're looking for fun. Most of them are stand-up people, and they have a certain percentage of people who dealt on the darker side of things. And these people are a little bit wicked. They're, you know, they were looking for, of course, alcohol, but drugs, and committed adultery, and anything they can get their hands on, you know. Right. And a good portion of them was uh, atheists and into the occult. I, mean, I can get, Mar Marlene, I can get along with anybody. And I didn't have a big problem with this at the time, but I did notice over the years that a lot of them died from accidents, overdoses, suicides, and cancers. And I... And I felt that these people were out at night like, like ships without a rudder. Anywhere the tide would take them or the wind would blow them, that's, uh, it was fine with them. But, but they died in a state that nobody should die in, and I felt like helpless for these people. Okay. Uh, so just to give you a, a quick idea, I had a, I had a friend who was a bartender. Uh, uh, his name was Chris. And uh, he used to drink uh, and smoke cigarettes seven days a week, seven nights a week. Uh, and he used to work, he used to work right next to me, but he was an atheist. He used to make fun of God all the time. He used to make fun of Jesus all the time. He used to make fun of the Virgin Mary all the time. Uh, then he didn't feel well one time, and he went to the doctor, and he found out he had fourth stage cancer, you know? Whoa. And he couldn't work anymore, yeah. So I, I used to try to visit him between my jobs, because uh, uh, he was a friend. I mean, I knew him for a long time, and I, but he looked like he was aging like 40 years in a matter of months. When you have that fourth stage cancer, it's just, it just yeah. tears you up. And he died within a few months. And I used to, when I used to visit him, I used to try to talk about God, but he was so even more bitter about his diagnosis. So uh, he died in such a terrible state, like a lost soul. And I felt helpless for him. He was like a friend of mine. Right. Uh, and I just felt helpless for him. So, so in my religion, and yours too, I mean, if you, if you, mm -hmm. we're told that people fall into hell like snowflakes fall from the sky, especially if there's no one to pray for them. So I started praying for these people that I knew who died, uh, these, these lost souls I felt, and other friends that I had who died in this terrible state. And I used to ask God, don't send these souls to hell until I finish praying for them. No matter how long you give me on this planet, no matter how many grains of sands I got left in that hourglass. And I believe today that's the prerequisite of why this demon creature was compelled to possess this house. And we're going to build that mosaic for you piece by piece, right down to every detail. But before it gets too intense... <laughs> I just, <laughs> Well, you know you. what? I, it's not the first time, John, that I've heard that that do-gooders. When I mean do-gooders, I don't mean that in a disparaging way. On the contrary, somebody like you're 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 getting in the way of maybe what was planned with those souls. Is what I'm oh saying. yes, absolutely. And we're going to make that clear, especially when we're going to go through this uh, apparition I had. 
But real quick, like you brought up the fact that I wrote a book, but the thing was I worked at night. I mean, it was, I saw a problem, and the problem was that most men couldn't communicate with women, you know? Mm-hmm. So and every time a, a girl would come into the bar, all the guys would say, who is she? Should I buy her a drink? So I ask her, is she waiting for a boyfriend? They would say, go talk to her for me. Like I had to break the ice for these guys. <laughs> you were the middleman. <laughs> yes, that was like, yeah. So uh, and I realized these guys don't know how to communicate. A lot of times the guys would get up on their own, they'd go over and talk to the girl, and they would, get, they would get shot down, and the girl would say to me, who's that creep, or something even worse than that. And I would think to myself, I'm just talking to you, and you sounded like, okay, but all of a sudden, two seconds later, you know, two minutes later, you're a creep now. So what do you say to her? You know, yeah, she's a lesbian, they would tell me. I was like, no, she's yeah. not. It's not a lesbian, because <laughs> like she won't talk like to you. <laughs> yeah, right. So what I did, uh, Marlene, was I, I started to interview a woman that came into the bars. I made a survey. Uh, the proper protocol, how to approach a woman, how to look, how to act, how to behave. What's turning you on when we're talking to you? What's turning you off when we're talking to you? How do you ask for that date? How do we look? How do we want us to smell? Everything, write down every detail. And uh, interview, I wound up interviewing 2,000 women from the clubs that I worked in, from the malls, from the street, from the women's gyms. And I wrote this book. It's a 300-page book. It was all based on what women told me. And I did a lot of TV shows and stuff, and, and Men's Fitness Magazine, which is a respected national publication, uh, called me and said, you know, we saw you doing the show. We want to test your book, and we're going to test some other books on the market to make these claims to see if, you, if, if this is for real or not. So I said, no problem. So I sent them the book. They uh, sent the guys out. They said, just do exactly what the book says. Don't do anything you think is right. <laughs> so they, they write the article, <laughs> Marley. And uh, they say that 80 to 90% of the women that they approach using the techniques that I taught them in this book, actually women taught me, they got a phone number and a date. Every other book was zero, 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 zero. So then I started doing all those TV shows and everything. But I have a funny story if you real quick. Yes, we have time for... Of course. Oh, so I, since I, you know, I did all these shows, all the morning shows, all the afternoon, all the night shows, all the magazines and everything, all these interviews. But I'm right here in New Jersey, so I'm like close to New York. So I did all the Today in New York, Good Day in New York, Good Morning America, and all those morning shows, right? And a few pretty good they actually to come back a few times. So I was there a lot. But during, uh, like this is like 20 years ago. So but, yeah, I've been on you know, a rapper named uh, uh, Chris Brown. He yes. was going out with, with women. Yeah, Rihanna back then. So he was just starting out too. So when you go into the city, you go into NBC or CBS, into their studio, you go through the security, you go upstairs to what they call the green room. That's where you have the coffee and the bagels. And you wait to be interviewed. And the producer comes in and says, okay, in about five minutes, we're going to, you know. So you're in there with a lot of celebrities, or upcoming celebrities too, you know. And Chris Brown was one of them. And, and Chris Brown, uh, I used to see him once in a while. And I remember he, he didn't want anybody to interview him about the, the, the alleged he beat up Rihanna. I don't know yeah, if you I remember, remember that. that. Yes, I remember yeah, that. So. So, you, you know, you're in the green room, you're sitting on chairs in the green room, somebody interviews him about her. And, and I'm home one time and I'm watching TV and every single radio show, he took the, he took the chairs that were in the, in the green room and he had to Google this and took it and threw it right through the plate glass window right out into Times Square or Rockefeller Center, I'm not sure exactly. Okay. Most a little upset? <laughs> I said, yeah, a little upset. And I said to my wife, look at this guy, he's a genius. Look at all this free publicity. I never thought. This is when I'm in the green room to take the chair I'm sitting on and throw it out to the plate glass window right out to Times Square. <laughs> yeah, you're like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So amazing how this guy got his publicity, but he's still around today, so good for him. I don't know. Well, you I'm know, sorry. what is it that they say? It's, it's, it's good publicity, bad publicity, as long as it's publicity, right? And there's no bad publicity. I'm, I'm convinced of that now. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, unfortunately, yeah, a lot of stars buy into that. Like, hey, there's nothing worse than being forgotten. <laughs>
<laughs> that's right. There's nothing worse than being forgotten. That is true. So anyway, that's what I did. And it turned out to be fine to me. But the thing was, uh, I did the Howard Stern show. I did so many shows, you know. Back then, they, they like, uh, you know, they kind of like they fight over you to do their, their show first. It's like if you, it's like, uh, I think Imus wanted me to do their show first. And, and Imus has like 3,000 uh, listeners. Howard Stern had 14 million listeners right in my target audience. So they were like, if you do the Howard Stern show first, now we're not going to interview you. And I was like, I'm doing the Howard Stern show first. <laughs> <laughs> you got three million. Sorry. How do I care? <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I did shows like that. But so the book sold so well, I was able, I mean, I loved working with those special ed kids, uh, you know, but uh, the book did so well. So I, I, I stopped, I retired, like, you know, I retired early. I, I stopped, I love working at night, but I kind of, I stopped that too. And I, I missed it a lot. So. Everything is going fine for me. You know, I'm retired. I have a nice prayer life. And, and, and Marlene, everything seems fine until until one day, about a year and about three or four months ago. If you want to, you want to get started listening to that. Okay. You do? Ah, I'm, I'm, I want to hear everything. Everything. Okay. Go ahead. All right, so I'm retired. Oh, so I should describe this house. Let me describe this house for you so you can understand what happened. Okay. So uh, I, I live in uh, New Jersey, right, right on the border of Colts Neck. Uh, I live on an acre of property. Uh, the house is about 150 feet from the street, and the driveway is about 150, 160 feet long. Uh, you pull into the driveway, and you have to make a left to get into the house. The house is built on the hill, so the, the garages are under the house. Okay. So you pull into the garage, close the garage door, and there's a metal door between the garage and the basement. Uh, so you have to go through that metal door, and then there's steps to your right that go up the steps to the kitchen. That's how we mostly come in. We don't come in from to the front door. But as my I had three boys here growing up, three of my sons. So uh, as they were growing up, they were getting bigger, and they and they they were they were outgrowing their rooms, and they wanted to have a bigger uh, space. So I had the basement finished, and I had to cut in half, and I had an apartment built down there. So my first son, uh, he gets his license. So he can come into the garage that way. He comes into that metal door. He goes into his apartment. He has his own own way in, you know, mm -hmm. uh, private entrance in. So upstairs is the kitchen, and then uh, to to the left of that is the living room, and uh, that's where uh, uh, I usually sit. And uh, the three boys grow up. Uh, they all graduate college. My last boy Johnny, he 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 goes. He 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 took that apartment. He went to college. He graduates college, he got a nice job, but then he wanted to come back home. So he's home when all this happened. So he comes back home for about a year, but then he got a nice job, so he left again. But he was home for, for this whole time. So um, Marlene, uh, in, in, in the living room, we have a sectional couch like most people do. Mm -hmm. And I'm sitting on the couch, and every day around uh, noontime, I, 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 I uh, do my, my noon prayers, you know. So I have this time for myself, So and I do like to uh, 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 meditate and pray. So that, that's why I meditate and pray in the afternoon. So I'm there and I'm meditating and pray, praying there. And because it's, uh, it's an open uh, format in this house, you could, uh, it's cathedral ceilings and it's open format. So you could hear a lot what's going on in the house. And that metal door down there, you kind of hear a little bit sometimes when somebody comes in. So this one day, uh, beginning of the summer last year, uh, I hear that metal door slam like it's never slammed before. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, what? what is that? And I'm thinking to my, my, my son, uh, Johnny, he's probably the only I don't think my wife could even slam the door that hard. And I'm thinking, why would Johnny slam the door? I mean, did he have a car accident? Did his girl break, break up with his girlfriend or something like that? So I get up. I go through the kitchen. I look down the stairs, but it's still dark down there because usually when somebody comes in, they put the lights on. Right. So I go into my office. 
And uh, in the office, I have the security system. So I start looking through the cameras, and I start rolling back the cameras to see uh, if anybody was on the property. Okay. You know, I'm thinking that somebody maybe came in. Uh, I don't see anybody on the property. I roll back the camera. I look at the garage doors. None of them were open. There's another door that you walk in uh, in, in the garage on on the back. That was never opened. And in the basement has uh, glass windows, but there's bars on there. So you, if anybody was coming into that, I would have definitely heard that. All I heard was they slammed the door. So I, so I know nobody came in. So I had to go down and investigate anyhow. So I go, I start turning the lights on. I go down the steps. I start looking everywhere. I look underneath the steps. I look, you know, behind the washer and dryer, think that you have in the basement. I have a work equipment down there looking around there. I don't see anybody hiding over there. I go into my son's apartment. I look in, in his closet. I look under his bed. I look uh, in the furnace room. I look. And I imagine as you're going through somebody... there, you must be like really like oh, thinking, I know I didn't imagine that. <laughs> oh, I, I know. But the first thing that I felt when I went down the steps was I felt something Hard to describe. I felt uh, something sinister, ominous, menacing. Uh, the only word I can really describe it is evil. Uh, so in this, you know, suspicious, threatening feeling. Uh, something you can't describe. I just felt an evil presence. I never had that in this house before. And I never thought there'd be any reason that I would feel weird like this, you know? Okay. So um, I feel this thing. I, I try to shake it off. So I come upstairs again. I, I feel, you know, like nobody was down here. What am I, why am I feeling like this? So I come back up, I make a cup of coffee, and then I sit down, but then now I hear, Marlene, somebody crossing those steps, like something crossing those steps. Like I know when my wife walks, it's only 120 pounds. She can't, you know, my, my son's about 170 pounds, but this thing felt like it was like, like, like a three or 400 pound thing crossing those steps very slowly, walking up the steps. these are the steps for, leading up to where you were at? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, the basement, yeah, from the basement oh, up to the kitchen. okay, okay, okay. So you're like, okay, now it's coming up here? Yeah, now it's, um, and I'm still thinking, because uh, I'm a guy, I'm not thinking, you know, like, uh, it, it, I'm not even thinking, I just, I, I don't know what to think. So I get up again off the counter, and what is this down? I go and I look, and there's nobody on the steps. But uh, that was the weird part. Uh, so uh, I, um, I, I I just forget about it, you know. So I'm just, I'm not going to be frightened about this and, 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 and so then now, like about an hour or so, my wife, wife comes home. So she comes in the same way. She comes into the basement. And, she, and I hear her yelling my name down, uh, down there. And I go over and, and she goes, what's wrong with down here? And I go, nothing. She goes, uh, why am I, I have this feeling of something evil is down here. And I was like, oh, boy. That's, now I'm not sure what's going on, you know. Uh, so uh, I don't want to tell her about my suspicions because I don't want to frighten her. Sure. You know, uh, so I go back and I. We go back upstairs, and then she gets settled down and stuff, and then she she uh, makes a cup of coffee, and she sits next to me. So what? So, Molly, what I thought was uh, nefarious behavior was actually this malevolent aberration using its methodology on me. Uh, it was telling me by using its methodology that it was present in this house, it was possessing this house, it was in control, and it wasn't a social visit, and it wasn't just passing through. And because uh, I was very naive about all of this before I, I realized and what you, was going on. This was, this was, there was nothing taking place in your life. This was just any other day, like normal. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. For years have gone by. I'm just having a normal okay. life up here. Right. Okay. So, um, so what happens is now, I, I didn't know it was using its methodology until it, it started using it on my wife. So then my wife sits down and then uh, 
uh, I didn't say anything about what I thought, and she and she was like, she said, "What well, are you okay? Because you look weird." And I said, "No, I'm fine. Nothing, nothing wrong with me." <laughs> so uh, we're sitting there, and then then I start hearing this. She starts hearing, and I start hearing that, that thing walking up the steps again, very slowly, uh, crushing those steps. And she says to me, "Is Johnny home?" And I say, I don't think so. She said, well, who's coming up the steps? She says, and I said, I don't think anybody's coming up the steps. So she yells, Johnny, Johnny, is that you? And she gets up and she walks through the kitchen. She looks down the steps and says, you know, like, nobody, nobody's there. What, what was that? She said, and I was like, I don't know what that was, Lily. I, I don't know how to, you know. I don't want to say anything at this point. It's just started. So um, as we're there, things start to happen. And um, like when we were sitting on the couch, like another hour or so later, we hear this really, I used to have a carpet uh, uh, from from the hallway to all the bedrooms, but uh, I took that out and had a tile. So uh, now you could hear something walking very heavy on those tiles and scratching along the wall all the way down and then it's finally slamming one of the uh, back bedroom doors. And then my wife again is like, what's going on? Uh, that's that's weird. Did you did you hear that? And I said, yeah, I heard that. Yeah. Well, what do you think it is? I said, I don't know what it is, to be honest with you. So. So it's so I kind of left it like that. I was hoping maybe this thing will go away, you know. So uh, things happen that. So every, so now uh, uh, I know I kind of know this thing is here, and I felt it was here. Uh, and so uh, you know, like you go to bed at night, Marlene, and then you lock up the whole house and you lock up the bedroom door, and you turn out the lights, and you feel safe, right? I mean, you sure. think you do it. Yeah. So, uh, but the weirdest things were happening was. Other than the walking down the hallway, which we could hear, and, and my wife would get up and look down the hallway, nothing there. What do you think that was? And I, and like I just did. The, the weirdest part was like I'm sitting there, I'm sleeping there, and then like three o'clock in the morning, it's like a, a this heavy head right next to me, like be what would a cape buffalo, a water buffalo would sound like when it breathes, and it would wake me up. And I didn't want to say anything to my wife. And I was kind of like almost sure that there was something wrong. There was some kind of malevolent creature in this house. But then it started, like I said, using its methodology on both me and my wife because he was breathing heavier so it would wake her up. So she would wake up in the middle of the night and she would uh, say, how what is that? How soon did I you have that experience? You know, after you had that thing where you had the, you heard the footsteps and the door slamming, did did it give you like a little piece and then start up, or was this? Right it would be that? yeah, a couple of days of uh, we, we, you know, maybe a couple, day and a half. It wasn't really like a long oh, period of time. Nothing, not really, no. It just okay. Yeah, so yeah, so uh, now uh, now she's very upset about this, and and I don't know what to do, and and, and at this point, so um, it's the summertime. So we have a beach house. It's about two hours away down Long Beach Island. And on the weekend, that's what we go down there, and and. Uh, you know, and my extended family comes down. Yeah, we have relaxed for the weekend and stuff. So we've been doing that in the weekend. But this one weekend, sometimes Johnny, who lives here with me, my son, he comes down sometimes with his girlfriend. But this time he doesn't. He's home for the weekend. So he calls down to the beach house and he gets my wife. And he says to uh, uh, Lillian, uh, are you and dad uh, down at the beach house? And she goes, yeah. So who's in this house, he says to, to her. And now I'm realizing that this creature is using his methodology on Johnny now. He goes, when I'm downstairs... He says, I hear something really heavy walking around upstairs. And when I go up, and I think it's dad or something, of, you know, he's slamming doors, and I think maybe dad's upset about something, because I never do that. But I mean, he goes up to investigate, nobody's up here, and he says, but when I'm up here, I hear it downstairs. He goes, I hear it slamming my, uh, my apartment door, and he has uh, glass mirrored doors for his closet. He has that rolling back and forth and smashing back and forth and back and forth. And, and my wife says to me, um, you know, 
your father's going to have to talk to you when we get home because I never, I, I didn't want to scare him either. You know, he's a man, he's a grown man, he's still 26 years old. Uh, but I didn't see any point to. So I never told him, but when I came home, we, I had to talk to him about it, and he was like, whatever, he, he, didn't, he didn't know what to say. And my wife says to me, um, you know, uh, I think we're gonna, you're going to have to go over to the church and, and, and find a priest and do an exorcism on this, on this house. Get, what, there's something in here, and we all know it now, and we've got to get this creature out. And I was thinking to myself, well, go over to the church. I mean, we're, 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 we're uh, you know, parishioners of this church for over 20 years. We know the priest. Every spring we have like a... A garden party here. The priests come. The parishioners come. Uh, we have dinners here. The priests come for dinners. My wife has a faith group here. Now I'm gonna go over there and such. They think they think us as a normal. Right. Family. You're I'm thinking. Gonna... I know. How do I explain this? Because yeah. Yeah, it's impossible. I, I so I said to her, look, I'm not, I I don't think I could do that. I, I, you know, I'm gonna be known as the devil boy. So <laughs> <laughs> by the time the parishioners start talking. Yeah. You know, I'll be the devil boy when I walk into that church. So I said, no, nah, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Maybe this thing will go away. I was always hoping it would just go away, you know. So I, uh, so she's too upset. She said, and then the next time we had that breathing in, in, at night in, in the bedroom, she said, I'm going to go live in, into the beach house until you straighten this out. And I was like, okay, listen, I'll try to find a priest that does, you know, I, I was really going to do this. I was really going to have it. But I'm not going to go to our church. I'll find somebody from another church that doesn't know us. And, and, and maybe we'll do that. But I think that this creature, who is, is decent, I'm going to explain what this creature is. And, and uh, a lot of it's unfathomable, but I mean, it can't be explained fully. But you're going to understand this creature and, and what these creatures are like, just from my experience. So uh, it must have realized that that was what my plans were, and that was what our plans were to get uh, this house uh, exercised, you know. Okay. So um, that's when this actual aberration happened. Now, uh, uh, you, do, you don't go on a break or anything, do you, Marlene? You just no, keep no, continuing. No, don't worry about it. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, uh, you know, Marlene, I never invited this creature here. I never had a seance. I never had a Ouija board. I never used tarot cards. Right, right. Uh, All those typical things that are always things like, yay, you did that. So you invited yeah. it or whatever. Yeah, I yeah. see what you mean. And I don't, I don't, uh, I don't uh, tell people ever do that. I don't suggest anybody does that because, I mean, once you do that, you allow this creature to do you harm, I believe. You're permitting him to do its worst here, you know? Giving permission. Yeah, that's what yeah and the only other thing, because I did some studying on this after I had this ever, that the only other way it could happen is somebody put a curse on somebody else or put a curse on me. That, that, that's one way that these things can get in. But I, I, everybody I know, I liked. I mean, I, right, was, like exactly. I just, you so the same thing. Now I'm sitting on the section of the sofa that I have in the living room. And, uh, and I say my prayers there and I meditate there. And I, because uh, I'm a Catholic, I pray on the rosary. Okay. Uh, this will be uh, so. I uh, so I save my rosaries and uh, uh, I, I have a glass uh, table uh, to my right and, and a, a lamp on it, like most people probably do. And when I, I finish my rosaries and I put my rosaries on that glass table, and uh, suddenly uh, uh, to my right, between the glass table and the living wall, the air starts to ripple. You know, just like if you threw a rock through water and you see uh -huh. that ripple. Right, right. So. Uh, it's to my right, so I think something wrong with my eyes. I mean, my eyes are fine. I don't need glasses, but uh, maybe for some time for reading, I could I could use them, but I don't normally use them. So I, I squint my eyes for a while, and I think there's something wrong with my eyes, but it was nothing, and I tried to clear my eyes. The eyes weren't a problem. So the whole area of the living room, from the from that glass table to the wall, starts rippling, 
And the rippling turns into a, like a raging blue fire, li like an inferno. Uh, yeah, blue. That's the weirdest thing. I mean, I've never heard of anything like this before. Uh, like I said, a lot of this is going to be unfathomable. I mean, it's unable right, to Right, yeah, exactly. Like if you understand fully. Yeah, but as an artist, uh, I was able to memorize every aspect of this creature. So uh, I knew if I was going to live through this, <laughs> that I was going to draw it, you know, because that's what I do. You know what I mean? And like I said, if you go to John Dish Egan, E A G A N dot com, you can see the cover of the book. That's exactly what I was here. And that's and I drew that, so that's exactly what. So if you have a visual of it while we're talking about it, well, no, no, it, I have, I have the cover of the book, and I've been showing it on and off on a slide. So yeah, the the viewers, oh yeah, yeah, they're going to be able to see what that cover, what you're describing. Yeah. So now I'm looking at this blue blue flame. Now, I know we have fire, you know, in this fourth dimension of ours, and and it, and it serves. It's like a miracle. It serves a purpose. It keeps us warm. You know, we cook food with it. You can forge two different steels together. And that resulting steel is stronger than the two steels that are forged together. Uh, but I came to realize that this blue fire, uh, is, uh, in this particular dimension, which I believe is the fifth dimension, it is a miracle too that serves a purpose, and, and the purpose is chastisement. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. So, so now I'm, I'm looking at a, a, a giant blue raging fire, and suddenly emerging. Through the wall of the blue fire, what I first thought in my mind looked like something like long pieces of coral. That's what that's what I it was coming in very slowly. Okay. Uh, yeah, and it was coming into my living room. Uh, and the only way I could describe how this creature entered this house is like if I, I ask you, Marlene, do you have, have you ever gone to a board meeting? And all the subordinates, they get there early and they rush in and they sit there nervously and they're fix, shuffling their notes and they're fixing their tie and they're fixing their clothes. And then the CEO arrives uh, whenever he feels like it you know, on his own yeah. time. Like he owns the room when he arrives. So he walks in slowly. He goes over to the superior seat. He starts when he feels like it. He's, he owns the place. And that's how this creature entered through this raging fire, like he, like he owned, everything was on his time, you know? So I got up from my chair because I started seeing, I didn't quite see the, the head yet. I just see these, these, these low, what I thought was coral. I don't know why, but I just thought they were long pieces of crest, what it looked like. So I get up and I step away from it and I'm standing still in front of it, but probably three or four feet away from it. And I see that the head start to come through these, this blue, this blue raging fire right into my living room. Uh, so, like I said, this is the antithesis of any kind of an aberration I've ever heard about. You, and you must explain. have. Been, how tall was this? Are we talking like full length or regular size or what? The, I, I can imagine you must have been like somebody wake me up, pinch me. What is this? No, I know. But the thing was, this creature was so intelligent. It didn't like back me into a corner because from where it came in and where I was standing, I could run out through if I had to. Like if it, I could run out. There, there's another archway that goes into the dining room, and there's sliding glass door there, and then and then in the kitchen, and there's a sliding glass. There's two big sliding glass doors I can get out. But that's what I say when I say this thing was using his methodology on. He was intelligent enough not to do that because he wanted to deliver a message, and it didn't want me running out of here like you know, like a crazy person. It didn't come in like that. He, so that's so the, the so I see the, all the horns are fi finally in the whole head is finally in there, and uh, I see what it is now. Uh, I, 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 so when I'm looking at it, and 
the head, the top of his head looks like uh, uh, like a horseshoe, like a top, but a horseshoe crab looks like. That's what mm-hmm. all these uh, these uh, horns were coming out of. And uh, when it finally emerges, only like I was, you know, like when you see on TV when they, when they reenact these things, when a, a creature comes into some kind of a dimension, uh, you know, there's like chairs flying around and lightning and uh, yeah. screaming noises and animal noises and stuff like that. Uh, that, that's exactly, that's what I say, this is the antithesis of any kind of an evolution I've ever heard or read about on TV, that you see on TV, you know, uh, and lightning flying around and stuff like that, and, and roaring sound. And this, this creature, like I said, was using its methodology on me by not trying to scare me out of here, because it didn't want to do that. So it just came in like that very quietly, like it owned the place. And, uh, and it knew if it came in like that, I would just run out of the house and it would never have finished whatever right. it was supposed to do, you know. So, like I say, it's an intelligent, organized, powerful creature, and it had a message it wanted to deliver, and it didn't want me to uh, run away. It just wanted... so uh, the, 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 when I I was uh, struck by the fact that uh, it looked like whatever hierarchy demon you might like, whatever chain of command you might think that exists in hell, because of all these horns coming to the top of his head, you know, uh, and it was engulfed in this. So you would think like this thing. Uh, was uh, some kind of a powerful under, you know, demon from the underworld. Right. And uh, I did studies on this afterwards, and there, and and I'll, I'll try to explain that. There are rankings. I mean, uh, uh, there uh, like uh, there are hierarchy in in another in another world. And according to people and priests who do exorcism, the spiritual practice of uh, evicting demons, there are many. Many many times there are there are people who are possessed by many demons all at the same time. And the exorcist who expels them, they have to expel the lower-ranking demons first, okay. long before the higher-ranking demons will leave. And they say, claim that. Sometimes it takes months and months of exorcism on a person to, to finally get that hierarchy demon to get out of them. So it, 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 there is some kind of hierarchy level in hell, you know what I'm saying? Right, yeah, just uh, like the angelic realms, that they have a hierarchy, yes, I know what you're yeah, saying. So, so this point, uh, uh, only his head emerged. So, and I said, like it looked like a horseshoe crib. It was hard and bony, and uh, all those, all the horns were growing out of that part of it. And I was, and it didn't look like it could go any further than that, Marlene. I mean, it only looked like it, its head could come through. And I was happy about that because uh, I, I, that's why I tell people this is like a gift because uh, it, I thought it couldn't come all the way through because if it did. It, I don't know what it would do to me. I mean, it looks like it, it was a powerful-looking creature. Uh, it looked like it could take those horns and just it just ram you into the wall, and you know, with those horns, if it wanted to. Okay. Uh, so, uh, and so many things struck me about this, and uh, 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 one of the things was um, it came in. It, it, it was in the midst of chastisement, right? In this blue, this blue flame but it, it 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 owned it you know for him this this chest this where it was i guess it was hell I'm not, it was just for him it was like he deserved this punishment he had no qualms about it at all whatever happened between him and uh, this creature and god back before time began it, it, it seemed to be settled and, and for him he didn't he didn't have any problem with it like the only way i could explain it like if you came if i was in prison for life and you came to visit me and i didn't commit the crime or you or anybody else came to visit me. The first thing I would say is like, I, I didn't, I didn't do this. I don't belong here. Get me out of here. I'm innocent. And this creature owned it. He just owned being in this, just this, this raging blue 
flame. And there's so many things I want to explain to you about what, what – so when it looked at me, it was 100% hatred. It wasn't like 99.9% .9 hatred. Uh, it was 100% hatred. And I try to tell people nowadays, you know, if, if you have any hatred for your brother and sister, for your neighbor, for any different nationality, uh, race, religion, nationality, get it out of your heart before you leave here. It's, it's in your spirit because if it's in your heart, it's embedded in your soul. And when you pass, you're going to drift right into these creatures' nets, you know. Uh, you, not, it's going to be rooted in your soul. You're not going to really have a chance. I mean, you, you're allowing these creatures to uh, snare you because, like, when we, right. if you leave, the people who are able to forgive their brothers and sisters, no matter how many times they wronged them, or their neighbor, no matter how many times they wronged them, or any race, religion, or nationality, no matter how many times they wronged them, they're going, they're going to a special place when they die. But if you've got that hatred in your heart, you're not going the same direction they are. You know, I mean, you're going to be drifting right into where these, where these demons want you to drift. You know, you already set the path for your direction, and they know how to manipulate you when you get there. Believe me. I mean, you, this hatred that people have—it it only weighs you down. It's no good for your health. Uh, no. You got to get it out. You know, you know, the only way to fly is to take yourself lightly. You know, you can't really bring that with you. You know. Absolutely not. And then, I, you know, I wonder when I read the Bible and you hear that these bad angels were cast out of heaven and they were sent to hell. And I used to think then, why are they roaming the earth then? This creature never, but I, what I realized, this creature never left hell. It brought its hell with him. He was still in hell and here at the same time, you know. He mastered, somehow he mastered this fifth dimension and had, a, and had to make a portal for himself uh, to invade our dimension, this fourth dimension at will. Uh, we humans, we don't have that power. We're never going to have that power. We're never even, that's not even a technology we're ever going to, you know, ever have. So I said, like I said, it's powerful. And uh, uh, so uh, it's looking at me straight in the eyes, and his eyes were black. It's full of hatred. It, 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 and it was staring at me in a confrontational manner, you know. Uh, it didn't have any pupils. It just was black eyes. It's pure black. And uh, Marley, most guys talk to each other. We talk to each other on like an angle, mm -hmm. you know. Not this creature. It was totally confrontational, staring me straight in the eyes. And it began to move its mouth and speak. And uh, I believe now that uh, it was only showing me and telling me things that I could understand. Like I said, that I'm a skeptical person. Mm -hmm. When I read a great angels that were created before time and how powerful and beautiful they were and the ones that broke away lost their beauty and became creatures well i'm not skeptical anymore because this was a, definitely a creature and i don't and, and it was an intelligent powerful creature because i don't think god created like what you see on tv wild animal things that are screaming and yelling and going nuts in your house like right. i don't believe god created that i think that's one of their one of the, the rules for us the, 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 so we will think that's how they are but they're not they're, they're very cunning that's that's the thing you know so, so you, John, what were you, I mean, how long did this take? Was it minutes, seconds? I imagine it must have felt like an eternity, but. Well, it did, felt, <laughs> it did feel like an eternity. The, the good thing for me was it was intelligent enough not to corner me. It was, like I said, it didn't come in like a crazy uh, creature to scare me out of the house. It did want to tell me a few things, you know. So it, uh, it was for, for whatever time it took, well, I'll explain exactly what it did step by step, and whatever time it took for it to do that, uh, it was the time it took. So uh, it, so I'm looking at it, like I said, it felt like an attorney, but probably was a couple of minutes. It didn't say anything for a couple of minutes, it just was staring at me. I was able to study it uh, because I'm an artist, and so I, could, you know, I was able to uh, uh, draw it and put it on the cover of this book. 
So I was able to stand. I was trying to keep that part of my mind uh, uh, calm. Uh, you know, that part of my mind, that art part of my mind where I could, like, if I was going to draw a picture of you, I could just, just sit there looking at you and, and study you and I can go home and draw you, you know. So I was trying to keep that part because I thought if I live through this, I'm going to definitely draw this and write about this, you know. So so I see that it it's going to say, it's starting to say something. And it says two words. And that was, uh, it said, no more like that, just no more. Uh, but I noticed because it was so confrontational and I was looking me straight in the face and I was I, I didn't know what to do. I had to look at it straight in the face, too. But its mouth wasn't in sync with, 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 with what, what I was hearing, whatever language they speak. Were, you know, I guess this is I guess this is uh, hell. I don't know. I, I sort of imagine where it was. Uh, uh, they don't speak English there, I guess. But it, it knew how to for me to understand what it was saying, because, okay. you know, you, you usually look at somebody's mouth when they say, you know, and then, but I wasn't, uh, and I was thinking to myself, what, no more, what, what does that mean? Uh, no more prayers? I'm thinking no more praying for to save souls. Uh, I didn't ask him. So I just knew that he said no more. And I was like, okay, all right, no more. You know, so uh, I'm still trying to study this creature. And I'm thinking, you know, like I said, if I survive this thing, I'm going to, I'm going to draw this thing as much as I can. So, uh. I was fixed mostly on this creature, but this raging blue fire also had my attention. Uh, I could, the thing about this fire was, like I say, it's unfathomable. I couldn't, I couldn't hear it burning. I couldn't feel any heat coming off it. I couldn't smell it, like it was, you know, when fire, when you mm -hmm. I couldn't hear it. I couldn't see what it was burning, like if it was wood or fuel or something like that. There was no crackling noises, you know. I couldn't hear wood or something burning, whatever fuel might be burning it. Uh, so I was like looking at that, and because I was so curious about the fire, the, the creature spoke again and said, only your spirit can feel the effects of this fire. And that made like so much sense to me at that time. And, and I was thinking that it, it knew what I was kind of like thinking. And when it spoke, like I said earlier, that the mouth didn't coincide with the words that I heard because whatever he was able to let me understand what he had to say to me, but in whatever language they speak. So when I looked, I tried to look into his mouth because I wanted to see if it had teeth or something. But all I could see was all was there's darkness in there. That like I guess there's no, I guess they don't eat anything there. But I mean, there's so much about this creature that I mean, it's, it was his face, like it's in the middle of this blue raging fire, but yet its face wasn't burnt. Like that's something that was going through my mind. Uh, you know, uh, that's the thing that was a little bit strange to me too, that his face was just fine. You know, like well, you would think it would be all burnt up, right? But when it said only my spirit will feel the effects of this fire, that, that made a lot of sense to me because I'm not a spirit yet. I'm, you know, I'm still in this fourth dimension here. I'm not passing into that fifth dimension. And I guess when you do, then you are uh, you're going to feel the effects of that fire. But uh, the thing was, it didn't burn. Didn't, it didn't look like it burned him, and he, and he didn't seem to. Like I said, he owned it. Like he didn't seem to have a problem with it. That was so. Another let me th ask you something, John. Did you feel? I mean, I know you're telling me that it's staring at you confrontationally. Did you feel any type of dread or anything? You know, like when you described that when you had gone downstairs that you felt this. Like, yeah, that what was the whole time. You had that was there the whole time. Yeah. Okay. So you were. Yeah. Def okay. So you kind of at this point did you? I know. Like again, you know, you're thinking. Okay, that all of a sudden you, uh, you're thinking this is what I was feeling when I was going downstairs. 
Yeah, the first time that it, it came here. Yeah, it was the same thing when it was present here. Okay. It, it's something that, like, like I say, it's, it's impossible to describe, but you know it, but you know it when it happens to you, you know? Yeah. And, uh, and I, I, I came to understand, like, this, you know, that this is what people are going to have to, I mean, I still have more to say about this, but I mean, these creatures are going to be waiting for us. You know, they're masters of deception and treachery. They're ready to snare you in their nets. You know, they're building this trapdoor of deceit specifically designed for you and for you alone. And you're, like when we pass on, we're going to pass on, we're going to go into this strange environment and we're not going to have any powers. Uh, and there's nobody going to be there to help us. We're going to be alone. You're going to be confronted by these things like my brother was. And he was not a bad person, but, uh, and it's not going to be any support. You're not going to have a lawyer there or something like, you know, it's just you. And it's totally foreign environment with creatures who are masters of it, you know? I mean, they know how to bewitch your spirit. They can seduce, entice, and beguile your soul. I mean, they're so smart and they're so intelligent. So um, once you, you know, like if they convince you to pass through that chasm there, that wall of fire, there's no coming back. You know what I mean? And like I said earlier, like people who are cunning enough to convince my nephews become atheists and that heroin was a good idea and they leave their, uh, their compassion for people to take that away from this creature is so intelligent and it was created before time began. Yes. And it, was, uh, it wasn't a baby. It didn't have a mommy and daddy teach them anything. It didn't go to school. Right. It was created full on. You know what I mean? Intelligent, powerful. Before it decided, I guess after some, some period of time uh, where they didn't want to uh, listen to God anymore, they, they wanted to break out on their own. So, and that's what they... John, yeah, let me ask you something because I'm thinking, to, I, 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 you know, I'm, you're describing this and I'm putting this and I'm thinking, I don't know if I would have passed out. I, 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 how did you handle this? Because I was, I would have been like, do I pass out? No, I can't pass out. Do I run? I, 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 because what yeah. you're describing is mind-boggling. I know, it didn't freeze up, but that's what I'm saying. This creature was so intelligent that it knew exactly what to do uh, in, 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 in this case uh, to, to try to tell me these a couple of things. that I still have another thing to tell me that I want uh, to get into, but I mean, uh, it knew what to do. Like, it didn't back me into a corner. It knew I could get it. Like, if I, if I had to, I could just run out the other way, right, you know what right. I mean? I wasn't backed into a corner like the, in a room where there's no doors. It was a giant archway. Uh, if I'm standing looking at it to my left, I could just run out there. That's the dining room, and then there's giant uh, glass sliding doors there. I could run out that one, and in, in the kitchen is another giant. I could just go if I had to, and he, it knew that. And it kind of, I felt good because um, Marlene, it, it only came up to its neck, and it didn't look like it could pass all the way, and that's why I tell oh, okay, people. Okay, 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 I see what you're saying. Like, this was like a uh, gift in a way for me to understand uh, this uh, fifth dimension, you know. Uh, uh, so, go ahead. So when you were, he's telling, like you said, he's saying, when he says that, no more. But I take it you're thinking no more what you, I imagine you were. Like, I, I was pretty sure about what it meant, but I didn't want to ask. Yeah, I didn't want to ask because I didn't want to start a fight with, you know. Yeah, like, I didn't want to have a confrontation. It was already... 
I was like just like standing there in awe of it, and uh, I didn't. I kind of knew what it meant, uh, you know. Like I knew I was praying for souls that were that nobody would pray for. And like I said earlier, and like our, our religion tells us that people fall in, the souls fall into hell like snowflakes from the sky, especially if there's no one to pray for them. That's why I took these individuals that I, that you know were out at night or atheists. And they were just like it had they had they just died in such a terrible state. Like my friend, like Chris, he died. He he, he was an atheist. He used to make fun of God. And, and I was thinking, how is this guy ever going to get into heaven like this? Make fun of the Virgin Mary and God, and you're going to, you think you're going to walk into heaven? You don't. You hate. You hate him. So um, I, these souls, I thought, were lost. And then when I thought that, if, especially if there's no one to pray for them, they're really going to be lost. So I, but that's what I did. So I prayed for these people I knew that had nobody would pray for them, and they were lost while they were here. And I think that's part of the reason why I worked that night because I got to meet these people. And now, and he said, no more. It has to be the souls that are coming in their direction. They want them to come in their direction. They don't want anything blocking that or stopping it or right, interfering yeah, with it. Yes. So it's very, for them, it's like every soul that comes here is like, well, we're taught that they kind of like, uh, you, you know, hurt God, but, you know, more souls that go to hell than what they, that's what they seem like they want to do. Uh, like, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a little skeptical about a lot of things too, but now I'm not skeptical at all about that. I really believe that. And I believe that, like, my message is, like, like I tell people, get this stuff out of your heart. I mean, these things, they're, they're prepared to offer you interesting options. There are many wiles and deceptions, you know. Uh, they're they're going to show you their empire built on hatred. I know they have their empire behind that wall of uh, uh, blue raging. And especially uh, if hatred is rooted into your soul, they're going to show you how to use that hatred to alleviate all your pain, just as they do, right. you know. So... Uh, yeah, in no, order I'm, to the go ahead, I'm sorry. And I'm wondering, <laughs> I, 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 because I'm thinking, here you are. I, I, I keep thinking, was it was it maybe somebody that you were praying for in particular? Who was it that that you got in the way of? You understand? Because oh, I know well, you this... probably were thinking of different all these people that you had met along the way that yeah. you have been praying for. Yeah. And. Uh... I'm thinking, yeah, was there one, one special soul that, that, that you, like, ran into? Well, that one for? example, yeah, that one example I told you, I worked with a guy named Chris. He was only in his 40s. He was a bartender, you know, in this yeah, one nightclub. Okay. I worked. Okay. Yeah, and, well, him was one of them, but I knew so many people that way, you know, but as atheists. But, uh, but for him, uh, he was like, uh, you know, he, uh, that part of him I didn't like. And I told him, you know, like, they, well, you, don't, don't ever talk to me like that again about God, about Jesus, about the Virgin Mary. And he said, okay, well, but he still did it with his other friends over there, you know what I mean? Right. But um, I knew he was so lost. Uh, I, I, how could a person hate God and, and Jesus and the Virgin Mary and, and walk into heaven after they die, you know? And especially with these creatures are there, you know, these creatures, like I said, they're going to show you how to use that hatred to alleviate all your pain, you know? Uh, it, uh, it's just, uh, that, you know, in order to be not outwitted is to be aware of their schemes, you know? So that's what I try to help people with today. Uh, so to keep on their life, like, their life sort of, Go towards God, you know. Don't, don't don't be used by these creatures here, or by people who could convince you that that their God doesn't exist. You know, don't be used by these people. You know, these are kind of like pawns for for these demons here. That and and and, and these creatures are so powerful that so it used every word it said. It wasn't a lot of words, but it used with fastidious care. You know, it said something to me that I thought maybe was like a threat, because. Uh, 
I wasn't, because uh, I was just listening. I never said anything. I never took my eyes off it. I was trying so hard to uh, memorize every inch of it mm -hmm. because I knew I was going to draw it, you know. So, uh, uh, so it said, uh, I am many and many more wicked than I. So I thought, is this a threat to me? Uh, uh, does this mean more is coming? If I, you know, like it's always no more, uh, uh, you know, so uh, 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 is this one of many visits I'm thinking, you know? Uh, does it, uh, I'm not going to stop praying. I mean, uh, I'm not going to stop praying for the souls of this. That need, you know, don't want to, you don't want anybody to go. And that's for, you know, that's the weirdest thing. About you pass through that chance, you're there for eternity. That's something you can't even wrap your mind about around right, something like exactly, that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, because no, uh, no end date. I, there's no end date. I mean, and, um, I mean, you, you, we're supposed to love God, and we supposed to, but we're supposed to fear his power. I mean, he had, he had the power to put that, that wall there. You know, you pass through it. You don't ever come back. That's the power. you got to fear. You know, you just can't, like, you know, just willy-nilly, like, you know, there's no God, there's no this, and you know, make fun of God. You know, it's, it's his power. It's pure power. You know, you just never want to. Let me ask you, John, didn't this, like, you know, because one thing is what we think of as being evil or Satan or devils and demons, but, you know, when you see with your eyes, does it, didn't you have like a reality shift moment? Like, huh? What? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, the whole yeah. time, the whole time it happened was a reality shift moment. Like I was stuck there, you know, looking at it, but I didn't feel like I had to run. Like I, like I said, uh, and uh, it, 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 I was engulfed in it, you know what I mean? And I was like mesmerized by it. And I knew, like I said, I tried to keep that art, portion of my mind as clear and focused as possible so I could, if I did survive it, I didn't really think anything, like when I saw it, it only came through up to its neck and didn't really look like it could come through any further. I really felt good about that. I don't know if it was doing it or it was, or I, well, like if you, if you, if you do studies on this thing, it's only like, it, uh, things should only happen like this if God permits it. So maybe God only permitted it to go that far. You know what I'm saying? Right. I mean, God might permit demons to do other things to people, but maybe for this particular thing, that's as far as this demon was allowed to go. And uh, that's what I believe, you know? So I thought when it said, go ahead. No, 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 no. I, this is fascinating because I'm thinking, uh, you know, because sometimes, like you said, sometimes people dabble in occult stuff or they conjure it or they just they're just doing the wrong thing. And this happens and it's like, oh, but here you are. Yeah. You're you're not doing any of that. You're living an ordinary, yeah. everyday life. As a matter of fact, you're you know, you pray the rosary. You're praying for people that have died and, you know, they were lost even when they were alive. And yeah, yeah. you get they were lost this, even uh, when they were alive. And uh, did it anywhere in your mind? And I, like I said, did did you ever in your? I know you're thinking, okay, this is because it's like why? Like my first thing would have been like me. Like what is it trying to say? They're trying to do or like what you just described when he said that? Like is like what? Is, are you? Is there a line behind you kind of come through this hole or what is that? <laughs> yeah, right. No, actually, no. I did try to you know occasionally. I mean, I was trying to look between those flames a little bit, but there was nothing, I couldn't really see anything that was going on back there. But I know that was probably where it's, it's uh, empire exists, you know, I mean, because he didn't look burnt up. So what do you he think he was trying to do, just scare you, like scare you off, like have you shut down and say, uh, 
Well, he wanted me to stop praying for these souls. I know that much. He didn't want anybody to block these souls from coming in. And especially now is probably the time uh, where a lot of souls are probably falling in his direction. And they, uh, they're probably just rounding them up, you know. Uh, so, uh, like when they told me uh, that I am many and more, and many more wicked than I thought, like, okay, so does this mean that uh, this is only the first uh, of many visits? Uh, uh, you know, I know kind of like if I don't stop praying for souls, is he can, uh, wicked, more wicked, uh, you know, more hierarchy one is going to come and he could do more, could do more things, you know. But the, uh, I knew that this, w he wasn't able to do anything. I thought for sure he wasn't able to do anything other than just give me these threats, you know. Uh, so uh, I didn't know what it meant by that for, for, for sure. So I didn't, and I didn't ask because I didn't want to. I didn't want to know. But the one thing that that another thing that struck me was, you know, like I always thought I feel like me. You think like where is heaven? Okay, and where is hell? Uh, you know, uh, is it out there past the heavens? Is that where heaven is? Way up there somewhere? Is hell in another world somewhere underneath or something like that? Is it past the universe? But uh, after this creature appeared here. Uh, with its hell, I realized that hell is just one step away. Like, it's right there. It's not far, far away. All you have to take is one small step and you could be right in there, you know? So it's like, that was very striking to me. Right, yeah. That, yeah. That you're talking, yeah, interdimensionally. That Right, we always think of things as in linear and spatial, like in distance. So you yeah. think of it like far away, but I understand exactly what you mean. Yeah, so I always felt like it was oh, so far away. I don't have to worry about this, but now I know it, it could be right there. Like when you die, you're going to be either if you did the right thing, you're going to drift uh, to a direction you go towards God if you loved Him and you and you kept His you know commandments and you stayed stayed the best you can. It's not like you have to. You can't ever you know God understands that we, we're gonna, we're sinners. You know He He doesn't mind that, especially if you ask for forgiveness and He gives you. That's what we're supposed to do here. You're supposed to ask for forgiveness and you get you know and He has mercy on us and that's what. So let me but, ask I mean, you, what does he doing, what does he do? Just keep staring, trying to stare you down? Did he plop back out? Did he disappear? Or did he say anything? Oh, he stayed like uh, like a statue, almost staring at me. You know the whole time. He never okay. really. Oh, but then I want to tell you what it did before, before it left. So it, the whole time it just stood there with its black eye. It didn't have pupils. It just was black. And I guess that's how they see it in hell, I imagine. So that's how it was staring at me. It never, uh, like, um, made any kind of facial expressions. It was like I could see in its eyes and face it was 100% hatred. Not even, like I said, 99.9. It was 100%. So... Uh, and so I'm just staring there and never like, like I said, it was like uh, it owned the place. It was doing everything on his time. You know what I mean? Uh, that it was going to stay there for as long as he, he was going to stay there and, 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 and deliver his message. So like I said, I, I said my rosary and I put my rosaries on the table. Uh, so to him, it's to his left because he's looking in, in that direction. So uh, he looks. He looks, he, he, so he looks down, the only time he took his eyes off me was to look down at my rosaries. So he looks down at my rosaries I placed on the table. Then he looks slowly back to me again. And then I, his, suddenly his face and his cheeks start to blow up, and I'm wondering now what, you know. And then he looked down at my rosaries and he, he spit a, a saliva right onto my rosaries. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, right on, right on. Like it's this was this was oh not like. Oh my god. Oh. Yeah, that was one of the things that was really weird to me. And it wasn't like this. The whole this whole apparition I had was not like a ghostly transparency. It was a solid three dimensional. So when I saw that saliva spit out of his mouth, it came right out of his mouth, right onto, 
right onto right onto my rosary stair. And then it looked back at me again. I guess it was trying to show me that it uh, is discontent for anything that anything that you use for praying. I guess you know that uh, he wanted he wanted to make it sure that I knew that this was uh, why it was here. So uh, it's, so it's, then it just slowly, like he, he had no fear that I was going to like do anything. Just he, he he like he did that, and that's I couldn't do anything about it. And he, he looked at me again. And then he just, is, as he came in, like he owned the place, that's how he slowly backed out, just like that, just slowly backed out. And, and those horns just slowly backed out and they dissipated into the fire. And then that blue, that blue wall of fire, I just want to tell you what happened, how I got him out of the house, but that blue wall of fire now um, starts to dissipate just the way it came in. And then the, then the, air, the, the whole, that whole area there uh, 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 started to ripple again, just, just the way it started. And then it just all went away, just like it never happened. It just just went away, and uh, so that's so that so now I'm thinking, the whole time I'm looking at my rosaries, and I'm as I know I saw a bit on it, and it was a lot of spit too, wasn't it? A little bit. So I'm looking at it, and I um, I, I like I, I'm gonna I, I start to poke it just to see if this, if it's still there, the saliva, you know, and I poke. Oh. But uh, it wasn't. It wasn't on. It wasn't. There was nothing there. I, I, then I started picking them up really easy, little bit by little, and I pick it up, and it's. I don't know. It's, like I say, it's unfathomable. So um, I, I think to myself, okay, is it, this. It, it happens. Uh, it's probably still in this house. And then I'm thinking to myself, you know, the Bible tells me, Jesus tells me, I could uh, raise the dead, heal the sick and expel demons in his name. So I'm thinking, you know, I take him on his word for everything. So the next morning, I go, because I'm Catholic, I go to church, I receive communion, I come back here, and uh, my wife keeps this holy water in the kitchen, so I take the holy water. And I go into every single room, and I take the holy water, and I splash it onto the walls and everything, and everything around there, and I say, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave this premises immediately. So I go into every room, in the kitchen, dining room, living room, down in the basement, Everywhere, in the closets, everywhere, in every bed, uh, in the, um, and I go even go into the attic, just in case it was, it, it was, and I, and I find the last bedroom I go into, and I'm saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to leave this premises immediately, and I feel a swish, and the curtains and the blinds just swish, and I felt that evil presence just left, and, uh, and, and I felt that, like, yeah. It's gone, and this is like a year ago, uh, Marlene, and I haven't even heard a bump in the night since since then. So I was very pleased about that, believe me, and so was my wife. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> did you tell her, I imagine, at some point, did you tell her what happened to you? Was it, oh, was I, I couldn't. The, the weirdest thing about this, Marlene, was, I guess that maybe I was a little bit in shock, because when she would ask me about, you know, I don't hear anything, do you know what happened? And when I tried to tell her about this experience, I, the, I couldn't get the words out. They would lock up in my, in my throat. So I said, uh, I'm going to draw what I saw, and I'm going to write every, every, every bit of this thing, right down to every single detail. And you're going to have to read it, because I'm trying to tell you what happened, but it, the words wouldn't come out. That was the weirdest thing, and it was... So I finally did it, and I, I finally drew everything. She said, "Was that what, what this thing looked like?" And I said, "Yeah." And then she, and, and as I did every page, she she read every page, so she understood the whole story. But I was I could not 
say the words. That's the weird thing. Like, I, like the start, like the way I told you today. I couldn't I couldn't say it for for months and months after that. That was you know the weird. And part, I imagine it's almost like if I if I talk about it, it's gonna become more real. Like, or, or am I, I gonna have like talk about it, bring it back? Is it gonna conjure it? Just because I start talking about, I'm telling you, I'd be, I, I don't, I understand totally what, where you were coming from with that. Like, it's, I'd be like, I don't want to do anything. What if I talk about it and basically I conjure it up again? Yeah, I was like, I know. I didn't think that. I, I just wanted to tell her, but I just couldn't. I, uh, I, I've, I've never experienced that before in my life either, where I wasn't able to tell the actual story until I finally. I guess I had to get every detail uh, on paper and I had to draw it out to every last detail I could remember before I was able to explain it. And I wanted so badly to get that out. Like if you go to John Egan, E-A-G-A-N.com, that's where the book is. That's the cover of the book. That's what it looked like. It's a 350-page e-book. A couple of, press a few buttons and you'll, it'll come right into your, uh, into your phone or your email account uh, on your computer. But that's where you can get the book. But that's, uh, that was the only way I was able to... Uh, to, to do that, to, to explain what happened. But now I can, but it took me that long to uh, finally get the... How, how long after, when you did the blessing with the holy water through your house, did you feel, or was it immediately feel. that you felt, okay, this is gone? Or were you thinking, is this other shit gonna drop? Is it gone? And then all of a sudden, I'm, it's, I'm gonna hear a slam downstairs like you heard the first Oh, time. I know. Well, you're paranoid about that, but we know when I, that, that evil presence, when, that, when I went into that last bedroom and I said, uh, in the name of Jesus Christ, I commanded to leave, uh, it, and that swish, went, like, felt like it went right out the window because the blinds and the curtains just, just swished like that. And, and that, that presence, that evilness was gone. And uh, that's what really cinched it for me. But, you know, you always think, you know, but it said to me, I am many and many more wicked than I. You always think, well... Who knows? You know what I mean. Right. <laughs> but it ha I mean, I'm saying over a year now, I haven't had I haven't had a bump in that. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> I'll right. tell you that. Much. Well, I don't then, know if I could. You know, this this you know, like what you're telling me. Okay, I, I can't. You know, you there's like what, what what was, what was the catalyst that had this happen? From what you're describing, there wasn't. It was just it happened. Yeah, just that it happened. The catalyst, I believe, was praying for those lost souls. Sure. And it did, and they didn't want that to happen. And uh, even if, like now, if I ever, even like I would not even want, even if I didn't feel threatened, if I just see rippling in this in the air, I'm just leaving. I'm not going to stick around <laughs> this time to I'll, see what's. Like, yes, like okay, no curiosity <laughs> not, here. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, that that was once in a, in a lifetime. I hope to God, and it, it never happens again. But I will never stick around if I see that. I'm just leaving. I'm not going to uh, hang out to see whatever kind of threats it you know has sure. in mind. Sure. You know. Although I learned a lot about this and I learned about this methodology, I was so naive about any of this because I never, other than my brother, that anybody I actually really believed that something like this happened to, uh, uh, that when he, when the demons were came for him, uh, and then I was thinking, you know, I, and then he thought, well, was I going to go to hell? And I was thinking, you know, if I had this aberration here, I was thinking, well, you have these, these, he said these were small, like six small demons came for him. I'm thinking, probably these demons might take you to this creature that came here, one of these hierarchy creatures, and that's where they're going to start to beguile your soul and start to talk you into going, you know, in their direction. I believe that. You might not be going to hell, but you're going to be, they're going to offer you interest 
interesting options when, when, when these demons take it to these hierarchy demons, you know, they're going to, especially if you have hatred in your heart, because that's what they're built on. Their empire is built on hatred. You know, they're going to show you how to use that hatred to alleviate all your pain. That might be something you want, believe it or not. Oh, yeah, it's like a choice. Oh, it's definitely like a choice. We choose where we're going. Right. It's, it's not like will. God sent you to hell. Free will. We always have free will. Yeah, we choose what we're gonna where we're gonna go, and uh, if you're easily convinced, like uh, like my my nephews are, that you know, as atheists or heroin addicts, or you know, you lost their compassion for people, you're easily convinced of you know this creature who's like, who knows how much more intelligent it is. It's it was created before time began. We only we only have fifty or sixty years to understand how to persuade people to do things. These things have time, timeless. You know what I mean? It's timeless. And how about your wife, John? Did she ever have any experiences, maybe when you weren't in the house? I mean, no, she's never had any. All the only things that she had was, and my son was the. Uh, well, we all when we were all together, we heard the uh, walking, we heard the slamming of the doors, mm -hmm. we heard the creature, you know. Uh, and uh, like, if, there's no way that the three people of us, or even two people, can have the same kind of hallucination sure. at the same time. Uh, you could ask any psychiatrist in the world. There's no three people are going to hear the same exact thing at the same exact time. Uh, you know, uh, uh, it, it, even if we were on the drugs or we took, a, uh, we had some kind of disease that makes us hallucinate, we're not going to have the exact same one. Same, you know what I mean? At the right. same time, you know? so that's impossible. So that's why it's so. Uh, 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 that's why it, it, it's a way. Uh, that's what they got out of it. And this thing wanted to tell me this, and and that's what it did. And. It, it, and it did what it did, and it left. So, I mean, I got kicked out, I guess. I don't know. But, I mean, I didn't do it myself. I did it because Jesus said, I can do it in his name. I didn't do it in anybody. Yeah, I did it in his name. <laughs> right. And, and, and see, and the thing is, I think, again, you know, what's frightening about it is that you always think that these things happen to people that are dabbling in what they shouldn't. Yeah, that's right. And I, that's like, what... here you go, but you weren't and that's that's i think no. is a very frightening part about what you're describing that is frightening too because none of us here do that all of us go to, we still actually go to church every sunday uh my whole family still does that i mean uh, you know and me and my wife still do that it's not like we broke away from the church or broke away from god we still always go you know and because we're catholics we receive the host every single week so that's that's always present in us we're not looking for, we, like I said, we never had a seance. We never had any of that nonsense, you know. And I, like I said, I don't advise people ever try to do that because this thing might, you know, I, you know, I, I hear things and I see things on TV where they, these demons can actually get you and, uh, you know, put, put marks on you and throw you down the steps yeah. and stuff. And I mean, I think if you were, uh, if you, if you wanted to come in, then, then you get what you, what you, what you want, you know what I mean? So how long was it between the time that you had that first experience that you heard the door bang downstairs, you know, that you went down there yeah. and you, and you finally did the blessing with, uh, with the holy water. How long was that whole time period? That was the whole summer, the whole, the whole, the whole summer. Last oh summer. My God, that yeah. must have been a long summer for you. It was a long summer for my wife because that was, she really took it the, the hardest. I was like, because I'm, you know, because I, I, you know, I think, I don't know, am I imagining this thing? Uh, uh, I, I'm denying it. Uh, okay, I kind of know something serious. It's just probably going to you know, wear itself out and go away. You know, that's how I think, anyhow. Right, uh, and, it didn't, sorry, and, and, and one of the things that I thought was really interesting was like you, when you went to your summer house, it, it didn't follow you. It was just always at that one Stay house. Stay here. 
Yeah. Yeah, stayed right here. And they wanted to use his methodology on John. They wanted him to know, you know, what's going on here, too. That's the thing about this creature they, that I didn't, like, I always thought when you watch TV that they, they're crazy and they're wild and they make animal noises when they come through. And, you know what I mean? Lightning and chairs flying around and, like, this crazy thing. is. Yeah. This wasn't any crazy thing. It was a creature, but inside it was intelligent and cunning and smart and powerful. I mean, powerful enough to create a portal for itself. Like, like you know, it was able to go from the, its dimension, which I say the fifth dimension or spiritual dimension, right into this dimension. It could make a portal for itself to, to, to uh, we will never be able to do that. No. I mean, the only way we're going to do that is when we die and we, and we pass into that next dimension. But we well, can't you do always, that. Also, but the thing is that you, you know, we always are under the assumption that we're safe from what you just yeah. described happening, happening. We're always thinking, yeah, I can't go anywhere, but nothing can come through either. Yeah, you know, that's kind of like how we kind of like comfort ourselves. Like, okay. Yeah, yeah, I always thought that too. And like I said, I was always skeptical too. Like when, like I said, when people told me, we hear about people having these yeah, apparition, you know, experiences, I think, I don't know, they're crazy or something like that. I was trying to do this for attention. <laughs> right. I, I didn't need to do this for attention. I was doing fine. I, I you know, I, I made, I, I was retired from the, that one book and, I, and my artwork is always doing well. And I didn't, this way, I would have never did this if this didn't actually happen. I, well, why would I do, why would I do this? I, you know what I mean? Now people, a lot of people are just hearing it and thinking, you know, like, I didn't want this. Let I didn't want people John. to think because you mentioned that, that 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 after that happened you started doing all this research have you ever run across anybody obviously either that that had sightings of a similar demon or whatever it was like what you saw like with the blue flames and everything uh, no nothing like that but i do know that my wife uh, uh, was talking to one of her friends and one of her friends uh, who was trying to be as chaste as she could possibly be as a young woman and not to have uh, sexual relations with a man and tried so hard and then she did meet this man and who seduced her and, and she said that uh, that next morning she saw two demons laughing at her. That's that's as far as I, I, I heard about anything like that. It's close to her. Yeah, so I don't know, I, uh, you know. What the you know? But you know, and no, and yeah. also I was thinking, you know, how sometimes people post on blogs or you know different discussion groups or whatever experiences that they had, and I was wondering, I wonder if he's if if this uh, whatever appeared to you like has ever been cited because I can imagine this is pretty particular that you would say, hey, this yeah, this was something I never saw because every picture I ever saw in a magazine or a book, first of the, the devils are red. Right. <laughs> the yeah, fire yeah, is so yeah. red. I never had these these uh, horns coming out of its forehead. You know what I mean? I mean, I know they take pictures of them of these big horns and stuff, but this was this was just so different from anything I've ever, ever seen or heard of or, or, or read about. That's what it it was just it, it, it probably was a beautiful uh, creature one day, and now it's a creature. Probably when God created it, it, had to be beautiful. He never would create anything that wasn't you know. And I'm sure the angels who stayed with him. But that they, these things were so intelligent and, and cunning that they convinced a third of the angels to follow them. So there's a third of the, we don't know the number, but I mean, there's a third of all the angels that God created to begin with are now in hell. You know, but the, these creatures like Satan and stuff were, were so smart and so cunning that they were able to convince them to follow them, to break away or whatever happened between them and God. Like, 
they didn't want to be uh, they didn't want to obey him anymore. You know, they just wanted to break away on their own, and they're definitely on their own now. And anything they can get that they want, and if they could just get a piece of you, they're happy. That's what I. I, 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 I imagine this hasn't stopped you though from you know, praying for these souls or anything like that. Oh, absolutely not. Because I know I, I did something there and I know these people who they didn't want. To, I mean, no matter how wicked they were when they were here, I know that nobody wants to go into hell for eternity. It's not, you can't even wrap your mind. You can't even wrap your mind around that. No. I mean, it's, if you think about it, you can go crazy. If you think about eternity uh, of chastisement, it, it, it could almost make you go crazy. You, know, you can't come back. That's the thing that I tell people to fear. You got to fear that fear that power of God. You can't like make fun of them, and you can't, you know, because we're all going to die, and we're all going to see. Now I'm sure now. You know what I mean? Like I said, I was a little skeptical about a lot of these things. And, and, <laughs> and I, I have to laugh though because when you said that thing about that you didn't want to go talk to your previous, you were like, I, I'm going to become devil. You know, there's no good. I'm always going to be the that guy. <laughs> yeah, the devil boy, yeah. I know, because they're starting to learn about it now over there, and then, you know, and a lot of people learn about it because it's been out there. I mean, I mean, at the uh, Coast to Coast has like 9 million listeners. I mean, I did that show for two hours, and there's 9 million more people. You know what I mean? I mean, I did so many of these shows now. But what are you going to do? I mean, uh, that's, uh, I well, felt no, like no, I no, have no. a message. But you know what? I totally understand, though, what you were talking about, because this is the community that you live in. This is the church you were attending. Yeah. And that's different. That's totally different. Okay. I know. It's totally different. And then my wife runs a lot of that stuff. I mean, that's, why well, did we didn't talk about the, the, that artwork I did? I mean, uh, my wife runs the Adoration Chapel over here at the, uh, at the church, and in the Adoration Chapel, they put Jesus in the monstrance, and they put it in the lunar, and when they, when they put them out, they light candles. And when the candles burn all the way down, about two or three inches, you're supposed to throw them out. Mm -hmm. But my wife kept saving them. So I saw in the basement one day boxes of these candles that were two or three inches. I said, so what do you... What are you saving all these little candles for us? What are we waiting for a 45-minute blackout or something? What are we going to do with them? Because, you know, these candles are so special. They kept Jesus coming the whole time. I couldn't have the heart to throw them out. She goes, you're an artist. Why do you do something with them? So I said, okay. Yeah, you're right. So I thought about it. I melted them all down. And I actually at john-egan, E-A-G-A-N.com, one of the uh, pages on that website, you could see the actual bust of Jesus I made. It was so beautiful because I have that ability to do that. I could okay. I could sculpt into a, a clay or wax or a stone or marble. And I made this gorgeous bust of Jesus that uh, the church wanted me to bring it over there. So I brought it over there and then all the newspapers wanted to do an article on it and all the magazines did. USA Today, which is one of the biggest publications in the world, uh, when they called, my wife says to me, you know, the big boys are on the phone for you now. And I go, who are the big boys? She goes, USA Today. <laughs> okay, that's okay. the big boys. But they did a whole page of that. Uh, of my bust of Jesus over there, and the Ripley's, believe it or not, called, and they wanted to buy it and put it in their museum, but I'm not selling it. So it's you, in there. Let me ask something, John. You, were you self-taught as far as your, you know, the, the artist part of you, or did, you know, did you just, are you one of those people that, like you said, your eye connects well with your brain, and then you're able to translate it in, through your hands? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's just like a little gift, a little part of my brain God gave me was the ability to do this. I could paint and I could draw and I could sculpt. Wow. So that now is in uh, Ripley's Believe It or Not. Now it's in their 2018 edition of Ripley's Believe It or Not. So I'm in that that publication too. So that if you if you look at it at the uh, if you, even if you even if you typed in Google John Egan 
bust, the wax bust of Jesus, you're going to see some of the stuff that the articles that were written about. You'll actually be able to see the bust of Jesus there. But it came out as life-size bust of Jesus. It came out so beautiful. Uh, I'm not selling it to Ripley's. I mean, I tell them, you want to buy it? It's a million dollars, okay? So they <laughs> Then I called back a few times. They didn't get anywhere near that. So that's a know. pretty good convincer right there, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I learned to never take the first offer, so I learned. <laughs> but yeah, and some of the yeah. So that... now, and and I'm 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 thinking. Um, have you been inspired to do any other sculptures or anything after you had this experience? I mean. I certainly have, and the good thing is that um, now all the churches are sending me their used candles. So now oh, I have wow. so much used candles, yeah, that I will do something uh, even bigger than like a life-size. Not sure of what just yet, but I do have enough candle wax to do something really fantastic with it, and I, and I and I will do that. I'm uh, just collecting as much as I want. I wanted to get at least 500 pounds of it, and I'm pretty close to that right now. So I will do something fantastic, I think, anyhow, with that. Because I don't usually work in wax, but, I mean, okay. it came out so great. And it's like, it, you know, it's it's the church candles. It's the candles that kept Jesus company, you know. Some of like, I don't know, they were there with Jesus, and they should look like Jesus, you know. <laughs> so that's oh, why I did yeah. it that way. <laughs> that's the vision you had. That's the inspiration you had. So, well, there it is. But, yeah, that's unusual. Other... I had never, I mean... Obviously, I've heard, you know, you see uh, candles sculpted certain ways, but, you know, usually you're thinking of it as something that's put out by a factory, but no, yeah. you actually uh, sculpted it. That's incredible. Yeah, just, you're right. Yeah, I just simply have that little ability. I could, you know, uh, I'm, I'm pretty good at writing. I'm pretty good at, you know, I just happen those two talents that's, that's, that's just stuck with me my whole life long. So that, no, that's good. I, you know, I'm, I'm happy about that. I mean, most of my term papers in college are in the, the research department for anybody who takes those courses that I took to learn how to write <laughs> the right term paper for that class. Sure. I'm well, pretty yeah, happy about that. That, that, that writing has become a lost art, unfortunately. Oh yeah, I think so, right? And have the book? Have you ever had? Have you had? And I guess I'm curious. Have you had anybody reach out to you? Uh, plenty of people reach out to me through the website. Okay. Many, yeah, and they have a lot of good ideas too. Like everything, every detail I put in the book that means something else to them, and then they ask right. me about it. They think, well, maybe it was this, and maybe it was that, and, which is a nice thing, and I appreciate that a lot too. And 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 uh, that I get a. Of these, and every day I have like hundreds of uh, emails that I go through. Some of them are like far out there, but you know, well, but some uh, of them are actually, yeah. I guess that comes to the territory. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you had anybody oh. at, come and ask you, "Hey, can you help me out? I've, I think I've got one of these in my house. Can you come and do a blessing?" I know. I, I, that I wouldn't probably go. I'm, no, I, I, I wouldn't want to. I was afraid. Say anything about you going? Sorry. I'm just saying that they ask because there's. Oh. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, I would do that. I wouldn't go there where it was. No, no I don't. Because I'm afraid it's going to stick to me or something. You know what I mean? I'll bring another one. I could absolutely. go through another. <laughs> I couldn't do that again, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm that sure was that just there's people problem. thinking, man, if he prayed and everything and he did a blessing on his house, man, maybe this is. Because, you know, there's people sometimes out there that deal with something like this for years. 
Oh, I know they do. I mean, like I said, oh, just, when I started, started studying these exorcisms and the priests and the people who do them, they, they it some, takes some years sometimes to get yes. these hierarchy demons out of the person or out of their house. I mean, that's weird. You know what I mean? That's, that's pretty weird stuff. And I don't have the expertise for that, you know? I, I, do, I, I know what Jesus told me in the Bible. And I, like I said, I take what Jesus says right to the bank, you know what I mean? So. Right, right, right. But, what, you know, there's um, and there's a lot of people that have gotten themselves, they've painted themselves into a corner, uh, metaphysically speaking, because they yeah. dabbled in stuff they shouldn't have. And then... You're right. Uh, now they're in trouble. Yeah. Exactly. And now they're in trouble and they're like, how do I get out of this? And it's like, yeah, guess what? It took you up on your invitation. Yeah. Yeah. Good luck. Uh, so yeah, that's good luck. So, yeah, they, they, you know, and they read a book like yours and they see, but I think you're that you coming from the place that you were coming at or the, you know, the your lifestyle and what kind of life you were leading spiritually makes yeah. all the difference in the world. Oh, I think it makes all the difference in the world for sure. And I think this was designed specifically for me, and uh, I was able to get rid of it too, the same way it came in. You know what I mean? Because of uh, my faith, I, you know. Yeah, exactly. like I, Exactly. Yeah, I, uh, so that's exactly. what I thought. In other words, you you did not give a chance to get a foothold or anything like that. Yeah, I guess so. But it was here for a while. But I mean, I guess so. I, you know, and uh, and uh, you, if, uh, you know, and, and I just did what exactly what Jesus said to do. You know, and I guess that that, that, that breathing thing that you talked about. <laughs> yeah, that's frightening. <laughs> what a frightening description that is. It is that that was one of the most frightening things too. That there's nothing you feel helpless because there's nothing you could you don't know if there's anything you could do about it, and it sounds like a powerful creature because it sounds like a water buffalo, like it had that kind of a giant lungs or something, and uh, it's just uh, and you're in your bed and it's dark and it's uh, it's just the weirdest. That uh, was one of the weirdest things I think I've ever experienced in my life. I've never had anything like that happen. And John, let me ask you: When all this obviously what were you thinking if this doesn't work i'm moving what did you have a plan oh. b or what were you going to do yeah i did no i uh, well my wife was going to the beach house but i'm not leaving this house. i you know i bought this house and i, I worked for it and i, I, I i'm not letting anybody, anything kick me out of here you know saying <laughs> i'm gonna right. stay here you know? so i wasn't I, that wasn't anything in my mind to leave i, I don't know uh, and uh, could you sell a house like that? That's the thing. I would be if it well, still no, was here. you know, it's really funny because I know. I mean, before no, but I think certain states have passed certain laws. Uh, but, but I see, can't that's reveal a that. Thing. It's like I know that I, I think there's certain laws like oh that if a murder's been committed or anybody's died depends on the state. You have to say it. Um, yeah. If it's publicized, like that, it's haunted. I guess like if you've had a bunch of paranormal groups come over, I think again you might and in some you have to disclose it others you only have to say it if they ask you and oh, okay. i think in others it's like it doesn't matter everybody every but i'm thinking a lot once upon a time you you didn't have to worry about those things and um so it's like hey i'm selling my house i i'm gonna go and live at my <laughs> yeah i know but doesn't the thing come with you anyway i mean if it's still around well, that's, that's why I asked you earlier was yeah. like, oh, when, you know, obviously this thing wasn't going with you to when you were going to your other house, it was staying put. Yeah, it was staying here, right? Yeah. Yeah, it had to be, it had to be expelled from here because it wasn't, it didn't come down to the beach house at all. 
Right. Yeah, that wasn't his purpose. His purpose was to, to pick the time when I was alone to uh, to tell me what it what it needed to tell me. You know, and I, like I said, he used his methodology on all three of us over here. And what it about your enough. son? What did did you ever tell your son, or when you told your son? I mean, you like you said, he had heard these things going on, and you were kind of scared yeah. at the beginning of telling him. Yeah, I didn't want to tell him, but then I did tell him after a while with my suspicions were on. I told him not to worry about it. I, I'm going to handle it. Don't worry about it. And I guess as his dad, he figured, oh, I'll handle it. Okay, that's going to take know. care of it. Like, all right, so he dad. was fine with that, but he moved out. The... <laughs> oh, okay. okay. All right, that's funny. He seemed to be fine with it. But yeah, he got off at a really great job, so then he, he, he right, moved out. Man, so the he timing helped. on this job is great. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> yeah because it's like that's a, that's a real gray area you know how do you exactly like what you said how do you combat something like this it's like what, what, what yeah. can i do i know if i wouldn't if i didn't have faith in jesus I, I don't know what i would do to be honest with you i just have no idea what i would have done if i didn't have him you know what i mean i mean i, I do I just spent hours with him every single day, so I never thought he would fail me. You know, I mean, at that, at that, I was almost, po I was positive of that. I never thought he would, you know, he would fail me if I needed, when I needed him. So it just, and, and he didn't, and he just did it, you know. So that was, that was what I, how I felt. And um, have you, well, I was going to say writing any more books, but I was going to say, you know, because basically you, you base this book out of this one experience that you've had. Yeah. Um, as far as, but are you planning any other books based on the research that you've done, maybe for people that find themselves in a similar situation? That's true. I might do that. It's just, uh, yeah, that's not, not a, that's not a bad idea at all to do that. I did write a book called The Enlightenment uh, a, a couple of years ago, and uh, and now I have this one, and I could really. Uh, I, I don't want any more experiences like that. So yeah, no, that's what I, I was gonna say. Go. It's not, you know, not, not mean, the. Uh, first-hand experience thing and, and the reason why I say this is you know what John you're not the only person that I've talked to that thinks twice sometimes to going to their clergy because they're almost afraid of like if number one like am I am I gonna is this gonna be something I did wrong and what I haven't or are you gonna think I'm crazy or you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> well I don't think uh if I brought a priest here and the, and the thing used his methodology on the priest, he would know that there was something here, you know what I mean? It wouldn't right. be like silent when he was here because this happened every other day or so. Things were happening. He, he would have he would have known too or he would have felt that presence. And that would have been, would have been my last resort to have an actual right. priest do an exorcism on that. Yeah, I, I, I didn't want to, you know, that would have been my last resort to keep peace in this house anyway because my wife wasn't going to stay here. Right. Well, and, live at the beach. and that's what I'm saying. That I know there's people that sometimes find themselves in that, in in that scenario, where it's like, I want to go to my priest, but what if I'm I get the funny looks, or what if they turn me down, or what if they like disbelieve me, like, oh yeah, because sometimes you yeah. know, you hear about that that sometimes some parishes they're like, they're great, but when it comes when you approach them with something like this. You know, if it's a house blessing, you're good. Like if you ask for yeah, just a regular right. house blessing, it's okay. Yeah. But when you start describing paranormal events or things like what you were experiencing, then you might get, a, depending again who your priests are, you might get weird looks like, okay. 
Yeah, and some crazy. of them, and, and you know what? I don't blame them. There's a lot of priests that they they get very scared of getting into this type of scenario with their parish, you know, the parishioners, yeah. because they feel they're out of their depth with this. Yeah, I would think so. That's why I had to find a really experienced priest who does exorcism and has some experience at it, you know. No matter what, that's what I had finally had to find, uh, you know, so for somebody to handle something like this. Yes. So, uh, yeah, yes. that would have, been, would have been my last resort, yeah, to do that. But I wasn't leaving here. No, I wasn't going to leave this house, even though this thing was going to be... You were like, no, this is my house. Yeah, that's right. No, I, mean... <laughs> I told You know what? I... I... I think that that's up. You, you had ownership of the house. This was your house. This was where you lived. Exactly. Is, yeah. yeah and like, I did oh. actually have blessing here when we when I, when I first bought this house. I did have the, one of the priests from the from the church bless the house, and that was nice, you know. But uh, I guess it uh, it wore off or something. <laughs> yeah, like oh, you got see that yeah, you weren't getting any special attention back then, but then started doing <laughs> yeah. stuff. Yeah, that was like twenty years ago. Yeah, the, 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 um, and you know what I hear, but I guess, you know what, John, a lot of people, a lot of Catholics, I'm going to use Catholics, but you know, other denominations do it where, you know, you'll move into a new house and you get it blessed because, you know, people yeah. are excited. They're moving into a new house, you know, and everything, but they, they don't do it with the intention of I'm clearing away evil presences or, you know, they're just doing it yeah. because they want to bless their house. Yeah, um, exactly. That's why I did. Yeah, uh, that's what I'm saying. It's like a different mindset versus I've got things that are making these horrible noises in my house and I've got something breathing in my ear at night. And yeah, yeah that, that it changes the where you're coming from. And absolutely, it's much different to ask your regular parish priest, I want my house blessed versus... Father, yeah. can you come over because this, this, and this? Uh, yeah. Yeah. An exorcism, to do yeah, an exorcism. Yeah, exactly. Oh, that's, serious, that's serious stuff, right? Yeah, of course it is. And, and you, that's serious. And I don't, I understand, you know, that they have a checklist of things that they, they go through before, and which is totally understandable. You know, you have people with mental illnesses. Uh, yes. They have a whole host of things that are not really paranormal or demonic or anything like that, that they have to go through. Uh, before they even entertain the idea of an exorcism, but uh, yeah, I know. But still, it's yeah. They... Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was thinking that's right because uh, they have to investigate it and they have to make sure you know you're not crazy. You could have there's certain diseases where you have hallucinations. Sure. You know, that's just it could be anything like that. They'd have to you know. Uh, they'd have to investigate that, and, they have to, and they'd have to be really an experienced priest that has done this before, and he knows yes. what he's doing, you know. Yes. And uh, yeah, and and then like if it say it's a really hierarchy demon, and it's like they say sometimes it takes months or years to get it out. And it's like yeah, added a person, like right. That's like scary. Like, you, well, yeah, yeah, because person. basically you are describing here at this point something that was in your house. It wasn't that you're, you know, that you had a, a no, possession of a not. person or any of the other, you know. You were living, you know, and I can imagine. I let me tell you something. If I was a priest and I had a parishioner walk in and tell me what you just described, I'd be like, "Yeah, hmm, okay, <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Egan, I think I'm going to have yeah. to call my bishop first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and that's and the other thing is I know these people for so long. You know, I don't look like they were just like a normal family here. You know. Just the regular people, that's all. And all of a sudden, I come up with something like this. But you it know was, what? It was... It's 
totally different when people, you know, I imagine as a priest or anybody that works that, you know, when you have people approach you about regular troubles, you know, when I mean your regular troubles, I mean, you know, maybe if you need marriage counseling or maybe something's going on with one of your kids or you know, stuff that people go through, you know, that you go to your clergy for. But when somebody approaches you and starts describing what you did, that changes totally the whole scenario. scenario. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yes. Yeah, a lot of times people, what they need is they need advice. Maybe they need counseling, you know, whatever, uh, whatever it is. Maybe they just need somebody to talk to. Yeah. There's so many things it could be, right? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And John, um, and your son, did, did he ever come back and say, well, so dad, did you take care of it? I mean, <laughs> I told him after I was able to talk about it, I told, you know, I, I told him after I wrote it, my wife knew about it. And then I was able to get the words out, which was really strange for me not to be able to get words out of my throat like that. I guess that was part of the whole experience of this thing. And uh, he was he be fine with it. He didn't have any problem with it at all. <laughs> so that's good. Okay. I have three boys. I had to tell three boys about it, you know. And then my one son was like, "Why are you took this long to tell me?" And I was like, "I couldn't. I couldn't say the words. What do you want from me?" <laughs> right. Right. No. Yeah. I'm thinking about the one that had that was there, like you said, was at the house and had his own experiences. Yeah, yeah. And he, I mean, let's face it, he had his own first set experiences. So it was like, there's he didn't need convincing. I'm sure it was. Oh, uh, not at all. Did he, the, that thing with the, 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 I mean, from what you're saying, he just heard, but did he ever have like that breathing or anything? Or was this just for you? That was your, your no, that, that he didn't get that. That was only in, in my bedroom. And, uh, and, and, and after a while he, it got louder. So my wife, it would wake up my wife. And I, I believe part of its methodology was to do that was to not only disturb me with it, but he, he wanted my wife for some reason to hear it, to be disturbed, you know, and, and, and I don't know, maybe maybe he wanted her out. I don't know, because she was ready to go. She was ready to go live at the yes. beach house instead of here. Divide and conquer. Yeah, I guess so, right? Yeah, the way but when we decided, I was going to actually find a real exorcist. And uh, we talked about that. And he must have overheard that. And that's when right soon after that is when he, the aberration happened. So he was, yeah. I guess he knew what he was going to do and he just did it. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah, it's it's. Yeah, and I think sometimes people have a hard time thinking, man, I've got something unseen that's overhearing either my what I'm thinking or what I'm saying. It's like, okay, let's let's a little bit of paranoia in there, but yeah. Yeah, he would think so, but I mean, if it was present in the house, they knew what, what we were doing at all the times, you know. They knew how to get get to me, and knew how to get to my wife, and knew how to get to Johnny, so... It was like, uh, you know, it's like I say, unfathomable. You just can't explain these things fully or understand them fully. Right. You just right. have to take them at face value and then try to understand what we know. That's what that's what I tried to do. What I learned from it, because I was so naive about these creatures, other than what I started, to, you know, what it showed me it could do. That's that's when I began to understand understand it. You know. Exactly. Exactly. Well, let me tell you something. That's one lesson, and I. I could ever, I could do without. <laughs> I'm sorry, you could do without. Yeah. I could do without that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, 
Anyway, John, I wanted to thank you so much for spending this time with us tonight. I think this is, I'm telling you, I'm sure there's people who are going to sleep with their with lights on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's oh my the word. God, it uh, is. So anyway, and, and I know you've given out your website address, but as far as the book, what, they can go directly to your website and order it there? Yeah, absolutely. Go to john-egan, E-A-G-A-N.com. That's where the ebook is. It's uh, over 350 pages. Okay. Uh, it's uh, uh, You just press a few buttons and put your credit card in, and it's going to come right into your phone or, or to your computer. Okay. And it comes as a file. And it comes with instructions. You open up the file, and then you could you could read it on your on your phone anywhere you go, or on your computer if you're just at home. Yeah, it's a it's it's a fantastic book, and uh, if you uh, give yourself the gift of understanding the unknown, it's just going to bring you to a point of enlightenment that you did you're not uh, you don't understand just now. But that's the 300 pages of this book will bring you and hopefully get you into heaven. You know what I mean? It's, uh, if we're like some people are going in the wrong direction, I just hope this book turns them into the right direction. I really do. Well, you know what? I think that you know let you know when we go beyond the the fright factor which there's some very frightening circumstances that you described i think it's very hopeful because you you handled it you in other words you know you hear some of these stories that sometimes people are tormented for years and the endings are pretty bad and you you, you handled yeah. it so i think that's a very hopeful yeah. book at, when all is said and done uh and I put all my faith in Jesus, so I think that's how I handled it. You know what I mean? I think if you, I mean, so many things, you know, when Jesus was around, he said, you know, your faith has healed you, your faith has done this, or your faith has done that. That's real. That's real. That's real stuff. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So it's not one of these things that uh, you hear a lot of times where, where families kind of give up, you know, even though they've had religious interventions. They still, yeah. for some reason, they can't escape the grip of something along what you described. So I think it's it's a very it's it's very hopeful. What, oh, it's absolutely very hopeful. Yeah, I think you're right, Marlene. I really do. Well, John, again, thank you so much, and I want to wish you the best of luck on any of your projects, whether they're with the sculpting, with your artwork, or with any other books you want to produce, because, you know, it, I. I Absolutely, you're inspired. <laughs> Thanks, Molly. It was an honor to be with you. No, you likewise. were great. It I mean, I've done thousands of interviews, but, but, you know, but you were just right up there on the top, believe me. Thank you so much, John. Take care, and happy holidays and happy new year. Oh, yeah, Merry Christmas. That's right. Likewise, Merry Christmas. <laughs> Take care. Good night. Good night. Good night. So guys, I know that you're all like, I don't know, but yeah, I'm not kidding. I'm gonna, I think I'm going to be one of those that's going to sleep with the lights on. <laughs> I know some people will be going, me too, me too. That is, let me tell you, I, you, that is very, very scary. Okay. Whichever way you look at it, what he described, you, again, I'm sure everybody's either read, heard, or, you know, some of these movies that are based on true stories, whatever, of people doing stupid stuff, going to the wrong place, you name it, you know, and before they, you know it, they've 
they've got you know not a regular old haunting but they're they're at the wrong end of a situation with a demonic force okay and nobody wants that but it's almost like whether you were stupid or just drunk is the wrong time it's like almost like you brought it on your own like whatever but you know when you hear John's story where here he's living regular everyday life uh, and he's active in his church and in his community and he's sounds like he's very you know besides religious and spiritual he's and this happens it's a lot of times this is the flip side of things that people don't realize that yeah sometimes you get unwanted attention from evil entities obviously because you're either asking for it or dabbling or you're you're like saying yeah you know like when people do the communications you know Ouija board and other things they don't know what they're doing but a lot of times they don't a lot of people don't talk about this where you get that attention because of the opposite reason um, where you're interfering uh, or helping out people or in this for example what he was doing he was praying for souls of people that had passed on that he knew that when they were alive they were lost and you know if you want to think if, if you're Catholic and you think of purgatory or whoa whatever I mean it, it doesn't have to be just a Catholic thing it could be anything that you're just praying for the soul of these people to find their way to heaven or or be re whatever that you get the attention as well it doesn't have to be and um, a, there's a lot of people that work uh, as exorcists that have mentioned this and um, I know one time I I, I mentioned that uh, I want to say maybe like a year ago I reached out to a priest other fail F-E-Y-L he's a well-known exorcist uh, I was hoping that I could um, interview him he was kind enough to return my email and basically what he told me was that during um, one of the last exorcisms he was performing he had basically a health crisis I mean his hearing was gone his by this he, he's, he's not like ancient that he was and he had a severe severe health crisis that he I mean, we're all human beings and human bodies, and you know, things happen to health health-wise. It doesn't have to, but you know, as you get older. But from what the feel I got that was that there was some supernatural, negative supernatural influence that led to what happened to him health-wise. And of course, he had participated in a lot of these exorcisms or interventions whatever you want to call it but you know and that this is that this is the way it works sometimes you get a bullseye on you and you know and people might think well I'm not an exorcist and by this I don't want I don't want anybody to think man I shouldn't pray for people that need help 
not necessarily. Uh, and I think uh, it had the the way he was able to dispel this probably have a lot to do with the kind of life he was leading. But yeah, yeah, I think that uh, this is part and parcel sometimes of um, and he, he, he made a very interesting point that when he had this experience that he said well hell is not like some faraway place or underneath or whatever you know things that we think of in our mind that we try to place things linearly like above below whatever that this was right there like it's right next to us we just don't can't see it because you know of course our senses don't allow us to see it uh, otherwise we go crazy but that in other words it's much closer than we think and uh, you know you'll get a lot of people that work in the paranormal that you know they feel that you know portals uh, pathways between dimensions that basically they over they overlap one on top of the other um, and that's why you get the rips you sometimes I mean, you get people that theorize that even cryptid sightings are tied into uh, rips or doorways and portals. Uh, that sometimes this is why these creatures are seen and then they disappear and nobody sees them and nobody captures them. Same thing sometimes with uh, extraterrestrial visitations. Same thing, you know, there, there's, this is not like basically coming linear. It's, it's, uh, it's stepping from one dimension into ours. Who knows? And, uh, th I mean, there's a lot of mysteries there that I think, you know, it's, it's almost, I want to say maybe, and this is just my theory, maybe this, there's like an in-between dimension, like that you step between one dimension and the other, and this is like no man's land. In other words, if you travel there, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, anything is there, good, bad, and in-between. You know, and it's like, okay, you know, when you have to from get to get from here to over there, you have to go through this middle passage, like the, that the, there's just like that in that in-between place. Any anything and everything is there, could be there. Okay, and then you know, let's say and of course our dimension, this is the one we exist in, you know, whether it's a rip or these things have the ability to open and close a doorway at will. Maybe certain things slip through. Or in this case, what he described, which is like, man, I, I, I was getting goosebumps when he's describing this thing. Um, maybe they, at certain times, they can punch a little hole, maybe to scare you which that would have definitely have scared me plenty. God, I don't know what I would have done um, to do that, you know? And, and as a matter of fact, uh, a lot of people think that these time slips where people have uh, seen sometimes landscapes and things where basically it's not really time travel. They kind of like see either a house that was there or a battlefield or just the landscaping maybe that's one, 200 years old. That sometimes it's just like a, not time travel, but a time slip. Like it's an overlay between one dimension and the other. And then that, that it fades, you know, they're, 
bad people that will say, oh, I visited, I went down this road, I went to this house, I saw this, and they can never, ever, ever go back. And they'll swear, I know what I saw. And uh, it's almost like a little, you know, crossover between one dimension and the other, maybe, you know, past, present, future, uh, being like, like a record. It just depends where you drop the needle. You know, in other words, circular instead of this way. And I mean, physics is finding a lot of things, again, that what we think of as reality is not, as, not what it is. And I think that, I think us being in this plane offers some protection because I'll say it again, this is the plane that we hold dominion over, okay? In other words, to exist on this plane, you need a body. That's how you, you operate in this plane. This is, in other words, we're meant to be here because we inhabit a body. And I think that whether you're a human spirit or anything else, you have trouble being here. And I think up to a certain point that offers us some type of protection, if you want to look at it that way, unless you do the invite or open the door or with the scary part, which is what John described, whether somebody like, maybe they don't open all the door, but they peek in and they give you a good scare. Oh, I'm telling you, uh, it's food for thought. But anyway, guys, thank you so much for joining me tonight. And uh, I'm going to put a link to John's website on the credits of the show. But otherwise, if you're one of the persons listening to the podcast, I'm sure that you can, you, you know, you heard him give out his, um, his website address. And... I've got a lot of interesting guests coming up, fascinating guests, believe it or not, pretty sure, pretty, pretty soon, pretty soon. I'm already going to start working on season six of Stories of the Supernatural. Uh, and I, I always remind everybody, if you have any eerie experiences, again, it doesn't have to be a ghost, it could be anything. I, I would love to hear from you. You can go to miamighostchronicles.com. There's a submit your story tab. You can uh, send an email to me at marlene at miamighostchronicles.com. Uh, you can also go to storiesofthesupernatural.info. Again, I have links there if you want to see the videos on YouTube, if you want to download the MP3 files for the shows, or if you want a direct link to different podcast platforms that host the podcast, which is such as iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, Stitcher. I have links that will take you directly to the files for the show. If you, you know, I have a lot of my audience that that's exactly what they do. They, they uh, download the MP3 files and then they can listen to them while they're doing their thing. Uh, I know that's a lot easier sometimes, obviously, than, than being able to look at the videos. So I'm always welcoming your stories or if you have suggestions for guests. But I have, God, I've got a, a lineup of people already ready to go that are going to be appearing on the show. And like I said, I always look for, obviously, people that are established in the paranormal field because they always bring something to the table, whether it's a lot of years of experience. But I'm always out there looking for uh, new faces, you know, people that are coming in whether they've written a book. Uh, also, um, I'm going to be going out into the field again and maybe bringing some more, you know, uh, field investigations 
as far as podcasts, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to translate into podcast platforms because it's not the same as when you interview somebody, but at the very least I'll be able to re release the video of the investigations up to a certain point. I've got the, some things coming up in that direction, but overall, a lot of interesting stuff going on in stories of the supernatural. So once more, uh, thank you so much for coming back every week. I hope to see you guys back again and again. And uh, I don't mind repeating myself by saying that you are all wonderful. Take care. And even though you might be hearing this a little bit late because of the release date on the show, happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year's, whatever. Uh, many blessings and good luck to you all. Take care.